Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. So today, by the grace of God, I'm going to be sharing some interesting things this morning. Let's see. Let's see how far God will permit one to 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 open the gate. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Who can tell me the topic of this morning's message? Who can tell me the topic of this morning's message? Who can tell me? What's the topic of this morning's message? What was the title of this morning's message? Who can tell me? Are we unsure? Are we unsure? Ah, only by two kind of are responding. <laughs> well, by two kind of are correct. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Is it interesting? Yesterday we talked about beyond the veil. And today we're going to talk about beyond religion. Hallelujah. Are we ready? Are we ready? Because once this gate opens, your head is blown open forever. It, can, it cannot be sealed again. <laughs> Are you ready? Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 2,000 years ago, a very mysterious fellow appeared upon the shores of Galilee of the Gentiles. This man was an enigma. This man was strange. It was so hard to place a finger on him. Who art thou? Where? From where dost thou comest? Who empowered thou? How are you able to speak with such authority, audacity, and power? Where did you come from, this man? Yes. Jesus Christ was a mystery. He was a mystery to all the men of Israel who had inherited a religion from Moses, their father. He was strange. He was strange. He was strange. 
the way he moved was strange the way he acted was strange and most certainly the way he spoke was strange hallelujah you know when one has been a slave for a very long time especially when you and your kind have been slaves for a very long time when the king appears <laughs> the speech of a true king can offend greatly actually yeah the speech of a true king not a false one okay a true king it, it, it will greatly offend as a matter of fact because how dare you how dare you not be a slave like us how dare you not talk like you are a slave like us who who are you where where did you come from hallelujah and that was how it was with christ jesus like who are you who gave you the audacity to talk like this who gave you the audacity to be like this haven't you seen our books who are you who are you from where did you come that man was a mystery that man was a mystery. You see, there's a statement that Christ Jesus made that till now many have not understood. And we have quoted this statement for many years. And many have not understood what he said. He said, Do you think I have come to abolish the law and the prophets? I have not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill it. Because for every prophecy that was given by any one of the emissaries of the Most High God, for every prophecy, for every word of correction, for every admonition, there is indeed a fulfillment. And do you want to know what that fulfillment is, people of God? That fulfillment is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, coming out of a person, period. The fulfillment of all the spoken words of Moses, of Jeremiah, of Isaiah, of Ezekiel is the fruit of the Holy Spirit coming out. But you see, that word fruit of the Holy Spirit is even something that has not yet been fully comprehended. You see... Because when we use the word fruit, that word fruit is an analogy for the child that is a product of a communion of two people. Actually, it is a child that is a product of a sexual intercourse between two people. Many don't realize that it is not possible to talk about God in the fullness without talking about sex, actually. Ah, at the root of all creation, at the root of everything spirit, you will find sex. Hallelujah. And that is why the devil goes out of his way to so pervert this thing that is... Ah, that is the very power of God. That is the very power of God. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Bible said, let us, let us, let us make man in our image. Let us, let us. The problem is that when we think about sex, we don't think about unity. We don't think about wholeness. We don't think about a thing being as pure as it can be. Hallelujah. Because when the Bible talks about wholeness, when the Bible talks about shalom, the word shalom, I hope we understand that is a sexual term. <laughs> I don't know why God wants to open this door. It is not my will, it is not my intention, it is not, it is not what I want to do. But I will speak. I will speak. Hallelujah. The word shalom, the word shalom is actually sexual terminology, even if many do not realize it. When we hear the word shalom, we all say peace, but it's deeper than that, actually. The word shalom actually means wholeness is a wholeness that comes as a result of two contradictory parts coming together as one. Two parts that have been at odds with themselves, two parts that have been separated from themselves, coming back together as one. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Shalom. Hallelujah. Ah, the Lord is opening my heart, so I'm praying to God to be able to just articulate. Articulate. Hallelujah. And Israel gave a sacred assignment unto his son, Joseph, whom he loved. Yes. Israel gave an assignment to his son, Joseph, who he loved. He said, Joseph, Go and see to the shalom of your brothers. It is unfortunate that in the English language, some people mistakenly put the statement, go and see if it is well, but that is wrong. That's not what the Bible said. And this is why we as a people, we have to, it has to become normal that we go back and read the original Hebrew to see those words that were used to understand the actual context. Because the Hebrew language is like dollar, and the English language is like Naira. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. As of today, if I am correct, it takes about 798 units of a Naira to interpret one dollar. Isn't that a mystery? <laughs> you need 798 units of one Naira, of a Naira, or, or of the Naira to interpret one dollar. I must confess that the Hebrew language is something like this. That's why, look now, for example, look, some people have gone online to get the meaning of shalom. NK brought a meaning here and she put shalom. And there he wrote, shalom is a Hebrew word meaning peace, harmony, wholeness, prosperity, welfare, and tranquility. How many English words were used to interpret one Hebrew word? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, please count. I want you to respond to me. How many English words were used to interpret that one Hebrew word? Please count. How many words are there? Seven. Right? Seven. And no, that seven is not a is it's not a symbolic number. It's just coincidence. Okay. <laughs> just in case some of us are calculating, because I know that there are many calculators here. Hallelujah. <laughs> you cannot see number and pass. <laughs> Once three three appears, hey, oh, Rabbi L. I woke up, I saw three three. Oh, what does it mean? Oh, Rabbi L. I saw one one. <laughs> I beg, leave me alone. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not saying that there's no place for that, but sometimes I won't can be too much, actually. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So the Hebrew language is far richer than our, our very, you know, our language of poor men. You know, one of my teachers said to me, the English language is one that can only really be used in a beer parlor because it's, it's a language of the impoverished. And whenever I speak that language, I need to wash my mouth with hyssop. <laughs> oh, bless be the Lord. <laughs> The Bible says, the Bible says, in fact, let us open it. Let us open that scripture so that we can, we can spring from there. Let's open that scripture so we can spring from there. You know, and it's something that, have you guys noticed that throughout this year, I've actually been teaching with the life of Joseph, David, Daniel, maybe a bit of Abraham. Have you taken note that throughout this year, those are the only people I've been talking about. Have you taken note of that? And yes, and Moses. And how, the, as we're just going over them, going over them, going over them, we have not even scratched the surface. <laughs> we have not even scratched the surface. It's like every time we look at it, there is more to there is more to what is written there. So I want us to open the book of Genesis. I want us to open the book of Genesis, chapter. Give me one second. Chapter. Wait, hold on a second. Book of Genesis chapter 37. The book of Genesis chapter 37. The book of Genesis chapter 37. And I'll use it as a takeoff point. Yes, Sia and Joseph. Because all those stories they have just if I'm about, I'm even about to use Joseph right now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because those stories are so they are so pivotal to the gospel. Hallelujah. 
So let's open to the book of Genesis chapter 37, verse 13. No, verse 14. And it says, Then he said to him, that's Israel, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. When that is read in Hebrew, it actually says, go and see to the peace of your brothers. Go and see to the peace of your brothers. Question for us, why would Joseph, why would Israel give Joseph a task? to see to the peace of his brothers. What, what will make him do that? What will make him do that? Question for us. What will make Israel say he should go and see to the peace of his brothers? What, 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 um, what, what can I say? Is it what prerogative? Yes, indeed because they were divided, because they were separated, because there was a division. Yes, Baronetti, because he saw an ability, that's one, okay? It's because he saw the ability that he sent Joseph. But the assignment itself was initiated because there wasn't peace between the brothers. There wasn't shalom. Hallelujah. There wasn't unity. There was strife, there was chaos. In fact, even when it came to whether they were going to kill Joseph or sell Joseph, there was still division. They didn't even have a united mind for the evil they wanted to carry out upon that young man. That's how torn apart his brothers were. And you find that this division, you can trace it all the way back to Genesis, when man divided himself from God. And the first fruit of man's division from God was Cain and Abel. Two children that were divided at odds with one another. Are we paying attention? At odds with one another. Two halves of one whole. Are we understanding? Because the word shalom means wholeness. So if God says, let there be shalom between you and this person, it means that that person is a part of you that unless they are reconciled to you, you are not complete. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Unless they are reconciled to you, you are not complete. You are not whole. Actually, you are less than your own fullness. And it's very deep. Because in the same way that Eve was called the rib of Adam, the church was called the rib of Christ. What does that tell you? What does that reveal to you about Christ's doggedness to rescue us? Do you think he's just rescuing us or he's rescuing himself? Question for us. Who do you think Christ is rescuing when he goes out to rescue us? He's rescuing himself. Are you understanding? He's rescuing himself. He's rescuing himself. When Christ looks at you, Christ doesn't look at someone or something that is separate from himself. 
It's like you having a finger that is black from blood clots. And you begin to go out of your way to heal that finger. Are you healing that finger or are you healing yourself? Question for us. Someone give me an intuitive answer. Are you healing that finger or are you healing yourself? I'm looking for an intuitive. Yeah, you're correct when you say myself, but I want you to take it further. Are you healing that finger or are you healing yourself? God bless you. You are healing both the finger and yourself. Are we understanding? Because when we talk about wholeness, we are also talking about distinction. Are you, are you guys paying attention? Because there can be unity if they're not distinct parts. Actually, it's because they are distinct parts that there can be unity. Amen? There can't be an us if there is no you and I. Does it make sense? And that's actually the power of wholeness is the fact that we're actually different and we choose to become complements of ourselves. That's why the Bible says here, O Israel, the Lord is one. That's the first thing that we need to hear. Have you understand it? Here, O Israel, the Lord is one. That word one in Hebrew is the word Echad. And Ehad doesn't just mean one as a singular entity. It means one as a united entity. That word one means whole. That word one means complete. That word one means united. Because when we study scripture, we start to see how God is actually made up of so many, so many, so many distinct and unique parts. And of course, this much is true because when we look at the creation that came out of God, we see a creation that is one, but it is made up of so many different parts. Are we understanding? The word universe is a Latin word, as a matter of fact. And the word uni in Latin is one. And the word verse means to turn. The wise men of old paid attention to the creation that God made and they could see that everything is turned into one. That's the meaning of the universe. You see the galaxies, you see the solar systems, you see the stars, you see the planets, you see the satellites that surround planets and my goodness, there's a profound unity that is going on. You also look at your body, you look at the atoms, the cells, the tissues. Have you understand it? You look at your organs. You look at your glands. You have so many distinct parts within you. Actually, your body is made up of almost 60 trillion cells. But yet, every single one of these things are turned into one. You are literally a micro-universe. Of course you are. Because the one who created you is the same way. He is many that have actually become one he is one that has actually become many but many that have united hallelujah the word god is a poor interpretation of the hebrew word elohim have you understand it that word god is a poor translation it, it, it does not translate the word correctly the right translation of elohim is god's 
Elohim is not a singular word, it's a plural word. <laughs> but don't you understand? Elohim is not a plural word, it's a singular word. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Elohim is not a plural word, it's a singular word. Elohim is not a singular word, it is a plural word. Hallelujah. Let me give us a mystery that you must never forget all the days of your life. The moment you talk about God, you must prepare yourself to deal with a paradox. God is an oxymoron. He is a unity. And because he's a unity, you must understand that he is both the, the first and the last. He is both the beginning and the end. He is the darkness and he is the light. <laughs> He's the left and he's the right. Are you understanding? He is he who dwells from the region of the undivided. He's the lion and he's the lamb. Are you understanding? He's the one and he's the many. When we talk about God, we must prepare to deal with a being that is united, a being that is complete, a being that is whole. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is not divided. He is the good and he is the evil. He declared it so many times. He said, can evil befall the city if the Lord has not done it? I, the Lord, create good. I also form the evil. Praise the Lord. God planted the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden of Eden and he called it good for food. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you rejoice. He is the man of war and he is the prince of peace. He's the great uniter and the great divider. Isn't it written in the scriptures that Christ said, do you think I came to bring peace upon the earth? I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. <laughs> Isn't that strange? Aren't you the peacemaker? Oh, but the peacemaker is also the peace taker. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 And in the place of peace-taking and peacemaking, he does the same work. Praise the Lord. Because God is a unity. God is a unity. God is a unity. Where opposites meet, that place where opposites meet, that place where sex happens, <laughs> that's where you find God. <laughs> hallelujah hallelujah that place where sex happens where unity happens where joining happens that place is where you find God oh that's why the first miracle that Jesus Christ performed was in a wedding hallelujah there are many mysteries that are just there in plain sight that we, we so overlook we so overlook and understand something. The Bible says that this was the first of his miracles. That word first in Greek is the word ake. The word ake doesn't mean first as in time. It means first as in position. Are you understanding? That word ake is where you have, is from there you have the word archbishop or archetype, or archangel. It means that which is chief, that which is highest. If you translate that scripture 
in the right way is written in the Greek. It means this was the highest of all the miracles that Christ performed. The turning of water into wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee. Because where you find sex is where you find God, actually. Sex is not the entrance of the phallus of a man into the uterus of a woman. That is an expression of sex. Do we understand that much? Because you have many men and women today who penetrate themselves, but they are more divided than ever. Are you understanding? Are you understanding? Sex existed in spirit before he materialized in the physical world. The Bible says, and the spirit was hovering upon the waters and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. Question for us, who did God say this to? When he said, let there be light, who did he say it to? Who did he say it to? No, he didn't say it to himself. Who did he say it to? The Bible says that darkness was upon the face of the deep and God said, he said it to the waters. Are you understanding? He said it to the waters. He spoke to the waters. And in speaking to the waters, he impregnated the waters. That speech between him and the waters was a sexual union. And that's why that union brought forth the child of light. Are we understanding? Are you aware that the name Mary also means waters? And the Holy Spirit overshadowed her the same way the Spirit hovered upon the waters? And Mary, who is also the deep, brought forth light, which is the Christ. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Sex is the very power of God. Because sex is not the entrance of the phallus of a man to the uterus of a woman. Sex is the unity of two opposing forces. That's where you find light. That's where you find creation. That's where you find the power of creation. That's why when a woman's body or insides are looked by a microscope or looked upon by a microscope, they have discovered that the moment the sperm of a man fecundates the ovum of a woman, a big explosion of light happens inside of her body. Who knows what I'm talking about? Who knows what I'm talking about? Who has seen that before? When the sperm of a man fecundates the ovum of a woman, you can Google it and go and see it. The moment that fecundation happens, the moment that unity happens, light shines forth. <laughs> Almost like Genesis chapter 1 happening all over again. Are we understanding? Are we understanding? Because the power of God is rooted in the sex. You cannot talk about God without talking about sex. 
it is actually impossible. And that's why the greatest of mistakes, when they talk, their communication starts to get very sexual. Because you can't talk about God without talking about sex. And you can't talk about sex without talking about unity. The problem is the word sex has been so perverted and adulterated in our time that even the mention of the word causes many to cringe. Something that is the holiest thing in all creation. The holiest thing. The holiest thing, actually. The holiest. Are we understanding? Should I show something incredible that you have known but you have never taken note of? Should I show something incredible? Should I show something incredible? Now, I'm going to do something. Tell me what I did and tell me what you heard, okay? Are you listening? Are you listening? All right. What did I do and what did you hear? You clicked your tongue. That's the key. It was actually a clap. So maybe the microphone oh. did not catch it well. It was a clap. So I clapped. And what did you hear from the clap? <laughs> what did you hear from the clap? A sound. Right? A sound. Are we understanding? Can that sound happen with only one hand? No. In the moment my two hands came together, are you aware that that was sex? Are you aware? Are you aware? Is it making sense? An intercourse happened between both my hands and it gave birth to sound. There cannot be creation unless there is a unity of opposites. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? That's why before man and woman could create, God had to first of all divide man from woman and then bring them together. Are you understanding? Because for creation to happen, the unity must become a duality. And that duality now becomes a trinity by their union. Is it making sense? The trinity is actually very sexual in nature. Because one is the united, two is the divided, three is the marriage. Is it making sense? Three is the marriage. And that's why three is a powerful number of creation. Are you understand? Are you understand? And that's why it took the third child of Adam and Eve to bring about the doctrine of God that was lost. Let's open it and let's see. Let's open it and let's see. Genesis chapter 4. 
Genesis chapter 4. Verses 25. It says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him, to him also a son was born, and he named him Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Do we see that? Then men began to call on the name of the Lord when the third was born. Have you understanding? Cain and Abel were duality. Seth was the unity. And in that time, the name of the Lord was called upon again. That's why when you study the, gene the genealogy from the book of Luke, you find out that when they were given the genealogy of Christ, Cain and Abel were not mentioned. Have you understand it? Cain and Abel were not mentioned. Only Seth was mentioned. Because only Seth is actually called the son of Adam. <laughs> Have you understand it? Have you understand it? Cain and Abel were not called the son of Adam. It was Seth. That's a very deep teaching that I won't teach today. <laughs> it's very deep. Oh my God. But, hallelujah. So someone said, Why? Because Adam is the son of God, and God is male-female united. Cain and Abel were divided. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Cain and Abel were divided. Division can never be the son of God. And division can never be the son of the son of God. Are we understanding? Adam is called the son of God, and Seth is called the son of Adam. Cain and Abel are not called the son of Adam. It's not about gender. Are we understanding? Are we understanding? Are we understanding? The Bible says, as for Seth, to him also a son was born. Cain and Abel were not called a son. Is it making sense? Are you understanding? In one class, I cracked a joke. I said, Cain and Abel, are they daughters? <laughs> Why did they call them son? Are they daughters? <laughs> Hallelujah. So to understand that we're, we're, not, we're not speaking the language of mortals. All this concept of masculine and feminine, it, it actually dies in this region. So of course, when we talk about son, we're not talking about gender. You know, so if, if any, one, any one of us are, you know, of the feminist tribe and say, I'm a daughter of God, you are, you are problematic, actually. <laughs> You're problematic. <laughs> because in that statement, I'm a daughter, you are divided. Because when God talked about son, that son includes masculine and feminine. That's what we don't realize. Have you understanding? Have you understanding? In the Bible, when God talks about a man, he also talks about the household of the man. So every time a man is spoken about, you must understand the woman is also spoken about. Whenever a king is spoken about, a queen is also spoken about. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
So Ange says, I see why the Bible uses man now. Indeed, although the Hebrew word is Adam, and Adam was made in the image of God, male, female created he them. The word Adam is actually an androgynous word. Are we understanding? Androgynous. Androgynous. The word androgynous is of Greek origin. Andro or antra means man in he in Greek. And gina means woman. From the word andra, you have anthropology. You have anthropos, which is man. The word gina, you have gynecology. Okay? That's why gynecologist is called a doctor for women. It's from the Greek word gyne or gina. Androgyna, androgynous, talks about a man that is united with God. He talks about Adam, who is male-female. Because there's two types of marriage. Marriage vertical and marriage horizontal. Are we understanding? Do we understand that much? When I say there's marriage vertical and there's marriage horizontal. Marriage vertical is a marriage between us and God. Are we understanding? Marriage horizontal is a marriage between us and men. That's why the Bible says, love the Lord your God, vertical, and love your neighbor as yourself, horizontal. It is the unity that we have with God first that produces the unity that we can then have with any man upon the face of the earth. Are we understanding? This is why the sons of God are called peacemakers. What peace are they making? You need to ask yourself that question. What peace are they making? What wholeness are they bringing about? What reconciliation are they causing to be the reconciliation between a man and his God? Is it making sense to us? Is it making sense to us? The reconciliation between a man and his other half. Reconciliation. Because from the book of Genesis, we saw a division. And that division expressed itself all throughout the book of Genesis. Are we understanding? From Cain and Abel to Jacob and Esau to Noah and the people of the world to Nimrod, to the children of Cain, we saw division, 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 division. We saw divorce. In fact, should I tell us a mystery? Should I tell us a mystery? Hmm? Do you know that energy is created through sex? Do you know? That the way the sun produces light is through sex. Four nuclei of hydrogen marry themselves together and they produce helium, if I'm correct. Yes, they produce helium. They produce, yeah, four nuclei of hydrogen come together and they produce helium. And the sun generates light. Light itself is created by the marriage of elements. That's what Albert Einstein discovered in the atomic theory. Are you understanding? 
how energy can be created through nuclear fusion. It's unfortunate people took that his teaching and instead of creating nuclear fusion, they created nuclear fission. Nuclear fission is the word that means divorce. An atomic bomb is a bomb that causes a divorce between atoms on a mighty scale. And that's where everything tears apart. What you are seeing is divorce. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? A nuclear bomb is a, is a device that causes the atoms of creation to divide from themselves. That's why everything tears apart. When a nuclear fission happens, is it making sense? But on the other hand, when a nuclear fusion happens, you generate energy. That's why we have nuclear power plants. Is it making sense? I'm just trying to help us understand this concept of sex beyond just the phallus and the uterus of a woman. Are we understanding? Because sex is deeper than that. Even though it includes that. Are we following? I want us to understand it in a very, very holistic way. Praise the Lord. When divorce happens, destruction happens. When sex happens, construction happens. Creation happens. Have you understand it? Have you understand it? Are we all following? Nobody's lost. Please verify to me that you're not lost. Verify to me so I can continue. Very Father, you're not lost. Hallelujah. 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 So for the one that said that they're lost, I'll backtrack. Christ came to restore relationship that's what he came to restore that's what was had in the beginning in the beginning was a relationship are you understanding john literally said in the beginning was the word and the word was what the word was what who can tell me The word was what? What does that with God mean? Answer me intuitively now. What does that with God mean? What does it mean? I use the word I've been using now. Hallelujah. It was that sex right there. The word was with God. And the word was God. Because the two are one. How are we understanding? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, you find a profound unity. You find a profound wholeness. And that's a mystery God communicates with the body of a man and the body of a woman. The body of a man projects outward. 
the body of a woman receives inward. Is it making sense? And when they come together, it's as though you now have one organism. Is it making sense? It's also a parable that God uses our physicalities to explain. It's unfortunate that all these things have been, become perverted. Because in the ancient times, it wasn't so. They actually would put a picture of the journey of a man and woman, and they use it to teach profound mysteries. I don't think we know that. Do you know, actually, the Ark of Covenant is not two angels covering themselves. It's actually two angels in sexual intercourse. Do you know that? Do you know that? Do you know that? If you don't know, say, I don't know. Well, now you know. Go online, go and research it, you see. It's just in these days, they have locked these things. It has become a closely guarded secret because men have become very perverted. So when it comes to the mysteries of sex, they have locked the door, actually. Even though the ancient, the ancient men now are asking for that door to be opened again. But I fear, I fear greatly. I won't lie to you. I, I wish it wouldn't be me. I mean, there are many. I'm not the only one by the grace of God. But, you know, if those mysteries are opened, it, it, it is very, very... Hmm. And in those days, once a year, the children of Israel will come together and the priest will open the veil and make them look upon the Ark of Covenant. I would tell them, do you see how these two are performing the mitzvah for a man and a woman, which is sex? This is the way you're supposed to be with God. And they use it and teach the whole congregation of Israel. Have you understand it? Have you understand it? That's how it was in the past. Are you understanding? Someone just sent me a private message saying, now I understand why evil sex utilize evil sects utilize live sex during their worship. Absolutely. 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 Are we understanding? Are we understanding? Have we not spooked out? Have we spooked out? <laughs> Are we following? Because in the ancient times, whether men believe it or not, they understand it. In the ancient times, whether men believe it or not, whether you believe it or not, sex between a man and a woman was taught in the temple actually these are one of the closest goddess secrets of all humankind you won't even find it written in any book well even the books that are written that they are written in for you to find short books it, it must be that god led you there because most of these things have become perverted are you seeing how in this age the only person that's teaching us sex is the devil are you seeing it are you seeing it we need to ask, how did people learn sex before? 
are you guys understanding what I'm saying? How do people learn? Where did they come from? Is it Satan that brought sex? It should make us wonder now. In those days, it wasn't so. It wasn't so. Sex was taught in the temple. That's where it was taught. That's where it was taught. And it was one of the holiest acts of worship, actually. That the most powerful of psalms were given to be sung during the time of the sexual intercourse. But I, I, I won't go too much into all that today. That's what I'm talking about. Hallelujah. Because sex from all times was considered to something, considered to be something as holy, sacred, holy, 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 holy. The holiest of things. The holiest of things. Holiest. Are we understanding? That's why you see some temples, they started to, it became like a brothel. They were not, it's not like they were mad. Are you understand? It's not like they were mad. Do you get my point? Those temples later on that came about and now people go there to have sex with the temple virgins. They, they, are not, they, are not, they were not mad. Because in those days, that was where sex was taught first. But that gate was locked a long time ago. It was locked. I mean, even at the time of Jesus Christ, it was even locked. Are you understanding what I'm saying? That mystery was even locked at the time of Jesus. It was locked. These are old secrets. Old. Very old. Older than five, six, seven thousand years. Very old. Very old. But it has always been in all history, but it was always a mystery. And they kept it hidden because of the perversion of men. God has an intention of revealing all secrets to mankind. But he can't reveal something to a person that is not ready to harness it. It will not be a blessing. It will be a curse. Hallelujah. Are we understanding? It won't be a blessing. It will be a curse. So the root of creation, you find sex. Because sex is the very power of God. Because the power of God actually is in the unity. Shall I prove it to you? Shall I prove it to you? Shall I prove it? Shall I prove it? I'll open the scripture for us now. Let's open to the book of John, chapter 13, verse 35. Who wants to read with me? Who wants to read with me? John 13, verse 35. Kosi, so let's read. John 13, verse 35. Indeed. By this, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Read, read 35. Read, yes. Actually, read from, read from 34 to 35. Okay. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know 
that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Did you see that? Can there be love without unity? I'm asking you because you No. 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 There can't be love without unity. Thank you, Kosiso. There can't be love without unity. And that's why the power of Christ is made manifest in the place of unity, in the place of oneness. And that's why Christ, the people who follow Christ are called a body. Have you understand? Divided, or what I said, distinct and unique, but united still. And that's when the power of God flows powerfully. Because the power of God, the life of God, the energy of God is concealed in the sex. The unity of distinct and opposite parts. Now that's something that Christ came to bring back to the world. Have you understand? Because men had religion. But in that religion, we saw how men and women were divided. Father and son were divided. Daughter and child were divided. Are we understanding? Where the priestly caste and the congregation were divided. Christ entered into a world where division was rampant. There was no unity. There was no wholeness. There was no shalom. It was as though we are back to the same time in that book of Genesis when the brothers of, of Joseph were torn apart between one another. As, and almost as though Christ came to carry out the same assignment that Joseph was called to carry out, to make people to become united again. The purpose of religion, the goal of religion, is to bring about relationship that has been lost. Have you understand it? So far, so good. Have you understood all that has been said before we press forward? So far, so good. Have you understood all that has been said? Are we all following? Are we all following? Question this is a question for all of us now. Are we all following? Shall we proceed? Hallelujah. 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 Let me open a, a, a scripture for us. Also understand something. So some things can be very clear before our vision, before our understanding. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who wants to read with me now? Raise your hand, please. Who wants to read with me now? Of them, let's read Jeremiah chapter chapter three. Jeremiah three. We're going to read from verses one to <laughs> verses one and two. Okay, sir. I'm reading in NKJV. Yes. Read slowly and emphatically. All right, sir. You see, if a man divorces his wife, as she goes from him, 
and becomes another man, can you return to her again? Would not that land be greatly polluted? For you have played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return to me, says the Lord. Verse 2. Lift up your eyes to the desolate. Lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see. Where have you not lain with men? For the road you have sat by the road you have sat for them, like an Arabian in the wilderness, and you have polluted the land with your allotries and your wickedness. Let's pause now. Who is the wife that is being spoken about here? Um, the people of God, Israel. The people of God. And what, what, what is God? What is God's complaint here? What, what's going on here? Tell me. The um, the left the left um, the original design. I mean, they start sharing themselves with other people. So they have many lovers. They have so, many lovers. But are you seeing the context in which God describes iniquity? How is he describing it? The sexual sir. Sexual. In what way? What does it look like? If you're going to put a word, if she's his wife, if Israel is his wife, what are they doing? Um, adultery. Adultery. Are you understanding? Guys, are you all understanding? When the Bible talks about Israel being unfaithful, is unfaithful as a woman. Actually, when the Bible talks about thou shalt not commit fornication and adultery, the first fornication and adultery is what is being spoken about here. It's not even when you sleep with somebody. That is even, you have even gone far. Are you understanding? That's why Christ came and reinstated the bar by saying, anyone who lost after a woman in his heart has already committed adultery. Is it making sense now? And vice versa. Is it making sense? Sir. question for everyone too is it making sense because there's no how you can commit adultery with your body if you have not first committed adultery with your heart make sense are you understanding you can't commit adultery or fornication with your body if you have not first committed it with your heart because and you know that's what I've, I've taught in the past as a man or a woman, if your husband or wife is only loyal to you, be afraid. Oh. And you understand it? Because you are not good enough to keep that man or woman in the house. No, there has to be something else that person is married to. Is it making sense? There has to be. Are you understanding? There has to be something that that man or woman is married to. Because our first marriage, the first person we enter into sexual intercourse with is actually the Lord. And that sexual intercourse is supposed to do what? Who can tell me? That sexual intercourse is supposed to do what? Yes, bring unity, but give go further than that after unity what does unity produce that sexual intercourse is supposed to do what it's supposed to bring fruit are you understanding this is why god curses a fruitless marriage you know it's unfortunate people misunderstand these things 
and then you know they insult a barrier woman say look at you god has punished you because you've not had child for 10 years that's not what the bible is talking about the barren woman is you and i who after many years of intercourse with god we have not produced fruit actually that's not what it means when the bible calls the person barren the bible calls the person barren when you have not produced the fruit of the holy spirit because every day we produce fruit true or false true or false Didn't Abraham give birth to Ishmael? But the God called Ishmael the son of Abraham. God said to Abraham, bring your son, your only son. Uh-uh, is Ishmael not his son? What about all the sons of Keturah, including Midian? What about those ones? We're not his son. Are you understanding? Because from God's point of view, you are a barren land if you have not produced food for him because you are his wife. Is it making sense? You are his wife. And here in Jeremiah, he said, What hill have you not laid and played the harlot and prostituted yourself amongst the nations? Understand, when the Bible says Israel has prostituted themselves among the nations, what he's saying is that they have prostituted themselves with the gods of all the nations. What did I teach yesterday about the presence of a God in an age? What did I say it does? What did I say it does in in a people? When you have a God in in a territory, what did I say it does? Who remembers? It creates appetites. Are you understanding? That's why when the devil appeared before Eve, she saw that the fruit was desirable. He stimulated the appetite for something that God told her not to eat. Is it making sense? I didn't just come up with those things. It's it's there in the scriptures. Are you understanding? When a God appears, it it creates appetite within a person. In that moment, that's why some of the sages in, in Judaism, they said that Eve has sex with the serpent. And they're correct. It's just that they just use a different way of explaining the book of Genesis. Are we all following? Are we all following? Is it making sense now? It's an analogy to explain that Eve, who is actually a symbol of the heart of man, prostituted herself with a false lover and gave birth to a bastard. Are we understanding? So Jesus Christ appeared in a time where Israel was actually a bastard and all their children were bastards, actually. Is it making sense? You had the people who were married to traditions, who were married to dogmas, who were married to rules and statutes of men, but completely divorced from the Spirit of God. Is it making sense to us? Is it making sense to us? What kills man is man's divorce from the spirit of truth. Man's divorce from the spirit of life. What resuscitates man is man's union. Not just man's union, man's fruitful union. Because the Bible says, by their fruit you shall know them. 
Because your food tells you or tells us who you have been having sex with. True or false? You're a black woman married to a man that is as black as night and you give birth to a half cash child. <laughs> Yawa don't gasu. <laughs> Something has gone down. <laughs> you gotta explain yourself now. <laughs> Lady, you gotta explain yourself now, sis, because this one is interesting. <laughs> Your husband is as black as night, but you give birth to a child that looks like Shakira. Ah, we have to understand what has happened here, my dear. <laughs> Are we understanding? Are we understanding? Nafisa said recessive gene. <laughs> Get out of here. Are we understanding? <laughs> Indeed, the fruit is the report card. The fruit testifies who you have been in intercourse with. The fruit testifies who you have been intimate with. Because spirits copulate with people by speech. Have you understanding? Have you understanding? Spirits copulate with people by speech. Shall I prove it to us? Shall I prove it to us? Hmm? I hope we all take note of all the scriptures I'm giving to us, okay? Because I could easily just speak freely. But because I know that we're not familiar with some things, I need to give us scriptures so that everything I'm saying is pegged to scriptures. All right? So that you don't just go off with what El Shaka said. I don't like that. Okay? I don't like it. Personally. In case, for those of you who are new, I don't like when you say El Shaka said. Okay? I, I, it's not about quoting. There's no problem quoting somebody when you put a quote and post. But... If the only reason why you're holding on to something is because El Shaka said it's a problem, that means you don't know it. And actually, you have no right to talk to anybody about it. Are you understanding? Say, I'm saying this or I believe this because El Shaka said, no. You need to know this for yourself. You need to be a Berean. You need to go and investigate. All right? And come to your own personal and unique understanding of the subject matter. And that's why I go out of my way to make things as relatable as possible, associating it with almost everything around us so that we have organic understanding so that what you know even though it came about by guidance is not dependent on me anymore are you understanding so that even if tomorrow i leave you have come to your own personal knowledge about this thing and nobody can take it away from you amen amen so ezekiel chapter 2 who wants to read with me Raise your hand, please. Who wants to read with you? Raise your hand, please. Hosina, let's go ahead. Wait, I'm not able to hear you. Your voice is very low. Okay, just one minute. Can you hear me well now? Uh -huh, it's perfect now. Actually. We're going to read Ezekiel chapter one, chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Okay. 
So explain that to me. Ezekiel was standing and there was like an intercourse that happened between God from the words God spoke into his life or into him. Is it making sense now? Yes. How does faith come? By hearing. Hmm? Hearing the word. By hearing and listening to the word of God. Let's open the book of Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. Verse 22. For those fruits of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Pause. That last one, what did you call it? Faithfulness. What does that tell you about faith? It's a fruit. Is a fruit that comes through what? Through the entrance of God's word. Indeed. Are you understanding? Hmm. But I, I want yes. you to tie it with what I'm talking about in intercourse, unity, bearing fruit. What does this tell us when you say faith is the fruit of the Holy Spirit? So, um, faith is what um, is the fruit that shows when a man, that a man mean man or woman, right? It is um, when when the word of God, when a man is in union with God, and God's word produces faith in the person as the fruit of the relationship, the inter. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Faustina. People of God, did we, did we all catch that? Did we all catch that? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And the book of Ezekiel shows us that when God speaks, he doesn't just speak, he enters. Are you understanding? He enters. It's a union, it's an intercourse, it's a matrimony through speech. Are you understanding? 
So Christ came to a time where you had so many men who called themselves offspring of God, servants of God, brides of God. But there were people who were black that had a husband that, were, that was black, but their children were half caste. <laughs> Is it making sense? They gave birth to mixed race children, even though they were singular race people. Is it making sense? And they were very religious. Very religious. In fact, they won't eat food until they've washed their hand, washed the cup, the plate, the table. They have done all the ablution. But with that same hand, they will collect bribe from the Roman Empire. Is it making sense, people of God? Are you understanding? Are you understanding? Now let me bring about a scripture that I'm sure many of us have read before, but I'll bring it so that we can have understanding. I want a woman to read me in, because this one is for women. Who wants to read with me now? Raise your hand, please. All right, Adiola. Yes, sir. I want us to Morning. open to the book of First Timothy, verse two, chapter two, verse fifteen. First Timothy, chapter two, verse fifteen. Yes, please. I'm reading from the NKJV. Yes, please. Nevertheless, she no, will actually, be let, saved. Actually, let's read from 13 to 15. Okay. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in love and holiness with self-control how do you feel about this uh, scripture Adiola? i was actually smiling when i read that last <laughs> the light come the light enter you <laughs> now tell me what the scripture means now So, um, like you said before, that Eve represented the heart of Adam that was deceived. And when we, when we fall or when we are um, deceived and go after other appetites created by these gods that are contrary to our union with Christ, you know, when we fall into transgression, in childbearing, when we return to him in union, when we come back, when that um, intercourse between us and him happens, you know, so in childbearing, when the fruit, when we begin to produce the fruit from this union, we are restored, you know. Hallelujah. Yes, we are restored Hallelujah. to our original person. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Adiola. Did we all hear that? Did we all hear that? Because many people, how many of us have read that scripture and thought Paul was sexist? How many of us have read that scripture in the past and thought that Paul was sexist? How many of us? 
Are you understanding? You see, this is why I said we, we need to read the Bible with an unveiled face and throw away gender. God is not sexist. Once that sets into our minds, a lot of things start to become easy to understand. God, God is not sexist at all. How can he be? God too is a woman now. How do you understand it? The Bible says the image of God was male-female. So if the image of God is male-female, that tells you that God too is a woman. Or better say, God is feminine because a woman is a manifestation of the feminine. Are you understanding? There's a difference now. Okay? Do you, do you guys get that? Before a woman existed, the feminine existed. Make sense? Make sense? Did that make sense to us? Before the woman existed, the feminine existed. Before the man existed, the masculine existed. All right? All right? So spiritually speaking, every single one of us, when it pertains to our soul, when it pertains to our heart, every single one of us are feminine. Every one of us. Everyone, whether you're a man or a woman, you are feminine when it comes to the matters of your heart, of your soul. That's why you are called a soil that God's seed, which is his sperm, is planted into. And God is hoping that that sperm that has been planted into the soil of your heart will produce a fruitful tree. Amen? Are we following? Are we following? Because a soil is feminine. That's why in Greek, they call the planet Earth Gaia. And Gaia is a feminine name. Are we understanding? Are you seeing that all these old things, they're not that crazy after all? Are we understanding? Gaia is feminine. Even in Hebrew, the word for land is Adama. And Adama in Hebrew is a feminine word. Every time you have ah after a Hebrew word, that ah denotes the feminine. Are we getting that? For example, in Hebrew, a king is called Melech. In Arabic, we call it Malik or Melech. A queen is called Melka. In Arabic, they say Malaika. Are you, are you guys understanding? Or Malika. But it's actually Melka. Are we getting Have you heard that name before? Melka, Malika, Malaika. Have you heard it before? Have you heard it before? Indeed. When you have the word, the sound ah, behind, after a word in, in Hebrew, even Arabic as well, it denotes feminine. Right? So what God called the land, the earth in Hebrew is Adama, which is a feminine a feminine word. That's why the earth produced Adam. Have you understand it? Because earth is literally mother earth. Because earth is actually feminine. Because the heart of man is also feminine. Is it making sense to us? I hope we're not lost. I hope we're all understanding. I hope it's not too much information at one go. Are we sleeping? Ah, where's everybody now? Are we sleeping today? Now, wow. I hope we're all following. Yes, so we're here. Awesome. 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 Tolu says she's struggling to catch up today. Just pay attention, okay, Tolu? Pay attention. Hmm? Pay attention. 
The church is called the bride. If we are called the actually, are you able to mute your microphone? Yes, I am. Good morning. Sir. All right, let's talk now. Hmm? Hmm? Okay, sir. The church is called the bride of Christ, isn't it so? Yes, sir. Based on gender, what gender does that make us? Um, female. Female, right? If we're right, a bride. Sir. Right. And if we're a bride, who is our husband? Jesus. Indeed. What does that make him? Groom. What gender? Male. Male. Indeed. Right? So, right. when we and Christ enter into sexual union, what is produced? Uh, a baby, a fruit, conception. Give me an example of a child of Christ, a baby of Christ. An example would be hmm. uh, a believer. No, 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 no. Read Galatians chapter 5. Let's read Galatians chapter 5. Are you, are you with your Bible? Yes, I am. All right, let's open Galatians chapter 5. Verses 23, 22. Okay. Thank you, sir. But the Holy Spirit produces the kind of fruit in our lives. This kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Hallelujah. So give me an example of, of, of babies of Christ. Love. As oh, maybe these fruits mentioned in Galatians 5.22, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Maybe they, are, maybe they are the children, I guess. When a woman is pregnant, what do they say she has? She has the something of the womb. Fruits of the womb. Is it making sense to you now? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Because the word fruit, the Bible is very poetic, right? They can use something right. that is for plants and associate it with a man, right? And they can use something right. that is for a man and associate it with a plant. Is it making sense? Okay. Because from a spiritual point of view, everything is united. Is it making sense? Yes, so a man can be a tree, right? A man can be a tree, a tree that bears good fruit, a tree that bears bad fruit. Is, is this clear to everyone? So is this clear to you? Yes, it is. Are you, are you up to speed now? Yes, I am. So let me ask you a question now. So who is our husband? Who is the husband of the church? Jesus. Now, what happens when the bride has sex with the spirit of anger? What are the children that are, that we produced? Wow. It's definitely not this. You know? Yes, definitely not this fruits in Galatians 5.22. Give me examples of, of the children of, of anger. Uh, hostility. Hostility? Come on, give me more. Mm, malicious bitterness resentment indeed now when 
we see ourselves producing this kind of children, what does that tell us? I didn't quite get that, sir. When we see ourselves producing this kind of children, that is malice, bitterness, what does that tell us has happened or is happening? Well, perhaps we're having um, abnormality, you know, maybe that, um, that's that children, definitely we're not having, we're in adultery, I think. Why you're so struggling? Why are you struggling to say why? Why that why sexual intercourse with the false spirit? Is it? It's, I saw you are struggling. <laughs> Hallelujah! Right, adultery is happening, isn't it? So, and how is adultery verified? Uh, by the well, what? I mean, by the fruits. By the fruits. Right, and spiritually speaking. How does sexual intercourse happen? Let's go back to Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Are you there? Yes, I am, sir. Okay. Please read in NKJV. It, it, it communicates it very clearly, if you are able to. Okay, sir. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Two. Then the spirit entered me. Wow. When he spoke to me and Did set me that? on my feet. Yes, I What did. happened when he spoke to him? The spirit entered him. Entered him. Are you understanding? An intercourse happens when the spirit speaks. And when we listen, because it takes two to tango, isn't it so? It's yes. one thing for a spirit to speak. It's another thing for us to listen. It's one thing for someone to put the seed. It's another thing for the soul to accept it. Are you understanding? So in that moment, yes, the spirit spoke to Ezekiel. And in his listening to the spirit, an intercourse happened. Now, what was the fruit of that intercourse? Read it. And he was feet. set on his feet. He was set on his feet. What does it mean for a person to be set on their feet, spiritually speaking? Okay, let me ask you a question. What does it mean to for a person to be crippled, spiritually speaking? Um, unable to move slow. Slow to what? And slow to basic things that maybe other people... Um, could do, you know, what? No, spiritually can... speaking, in relationship to I'm God, what does it mean to be crippled? What does it mean to be crippled, first of all? Incapacitated. Incapacitated, that is immobile, right? Yes, sir. Now, what does it mean to be immobile in relationship to God? Static. How? Explain it. What do you mean by static? Well, un, unable to move, you know, stunted, stagnant, you know. Right. Stagnant in regards to what? Unproductive. Right. When God says to Lou, I need to go and do this. Tolu say, ah, God, but don't you see that? Why can't you? Uh-huh. Are you making sense now? Yes. That's is. what it means to be crippled. But when the spirit entered into him, what happened? He stood on his feet. 
He stood on his feet. I understand it. He received the ability to walk. What is this walk? The path of righteousness. Is it, is it mm. making sense to you now? Yes, it is. What does that tell us about what makes us able to walk the path of righteousness? What does that tell us? How are we able to walk the path of righteousness? Uh, well, from what you have said, oh, no, 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 I, I didn't say anything, no. <laughs> And that's what, okay, that's why I rephrased that. From what I have learned um, so far, um, um, intercourse, you know, with, you know, Jesus, the fruit, the results is where I can actually function the way he expects me to function. Indeed. So everything we do is by the Spirit of God. That's why, that's why Paul said, he works in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. Meaning that inside of us, there is a willingness behind our willingness. And there is a doing that is behind our doing that is enabling us to do everything that we're called to do. Amen? Are, are you found Amen. now? Yes, very found. Very found. Thank you so Hallelujah. much. <laughs> God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> everyone else, are you all found? Hmm? Is everyone found? We're all found. Nobody's lost anymore. Hallelujah. We're no longer in the wilderness. We're now in Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then the Spirit entered me when he spoke to me. Are you understanding? You know who is speaking to you by the fruits you are producing. First of all, in your thoughts, in your feelings, and then in your actions. Are we understanding this? Okay, if you struggle, if because you, you just came in. Hmm? That's why if are you are you are you have you caught up now with this conversation I had with Tulu? Are you caught up now, Ify? Are you caught up? And Ify. Are you caught up now, Ify? Question for you. Okay, maybe she's not able to respond. I want us to write this down. Are we paying attention? This will help us to yes. get, see, help us to get this very well. Okay. Write this down. Every spirit is masculine. Are we understanding? Every soul is feminine. Do we all catch that? Every spirit is masculine. Every soul is feminine. Did, did, did we get that? Every spirit is masculine. Every soul is feminine. Every spirit is a projector. Every soul is a receptor.
Are we understanding? Make sense? Every spirit is a projector. Every soul is a receptor. And in the same way, a woman's, a woman's egg is fecundated by the sperm of a man. Is the same way the eggs of our heart are fecundated by the words of spirits. Are you understanding? Your hearts are impregnated by the words of spirits. Even right now, do you know that this conversation is a sexual intercourse? Do you know that? Do you know that? As I'm speaking, my speech is masculine. It's a seed that is entering into your heart. And as it enters into your heart, when you receive it, all of you that are saying, I have light, that is a product of the intercourse between the words that are being spoken and your heart that is receiving. Amen? And that light leads to an outward action. If a true union has happened. God bless you, Grace. Flesh and blood did not reveal. She just said, that's why we are defiled by what goes out rather than what comes in. Because what goes out is a testament of who we are in relationship with. Have you understand it? What comes out of you reveals who you are in relationship with. It reveals whether your temple is defiled or it is sanctified. What comes out of you is what saves you or what destroys you. Have you understanding? Have you understanding? Do you know that when someone offends you and you are angry and you are bitter, hmm? You are not healed by the sorry they tell you. You are healed by the love that comes out of you when they tell you sorry. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not someone's sorry that heals you. It's the love that comes out of you. And that's why if bitterness keeps on coming out of you, it doesn't matter how many sorry they tell you, you can't be healed of that bitterness. It never goes away because the cure to bitterness is love. Are you understanding? And that's why when God wants to cure your hatred for, for someone, he starts to show you things that you can love about them. Because until you can find something to love, hatred can never be cured from you. Because we're healed in the loving. We're healed in the forgiving. Are you understanding? So forgiveness is always for you first. Because unforgiveness is a poison to your soul. Forgiveness is a healing to your soul. Because every time you stay with unforgiveness, there is a cancer in your heart. Are you understanding? There is a cancer. And that cancer begins to kill you, begins to poison you. But when forgiveness comes out, that forgiveness is like a medicine that, that cleanses your whole being. Are you understanding what I'm saying? 
Christ came to re-establish relationship. Period. Religion is a gateway to relationship. That you are part of a religion does not mean you have relationship. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Anybody that preaches on the pulpit and says that Christians will go to heaven, that person is wrong. Whether or not they are speaking in sincerity. It is possible to be sincere, but sincerely mistaken. There's no way in scripture where it says that Christians will go to heaven. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Are you understanding? You're not special because you're in the Christian religion. Don't, don't think that. You're not better than the Muslim. I promise you. You're not. You're not better than the Buddhist. You're not better than the Hindu. Should I tell you what can make you better than the next person? Should I tell you? Do you want to know? If the person is a liar and you're a truthful person. If the person is very impatient and you're a patient person. If the person is very greedy and you're a generous person. If the person is very spiteful, very bitter, and you're a compassionate person. If, if we're going to use the word better, even though that's even the wrong word, because you're not meant to look at anybody, you're meant to look at people as better than yourselves. You understand? But if for the sake of semantics, we're going to say that you're better than someone, that is what makes you better. Your religion doesn't mean anything. Are you getting my point? Your religion actually doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of things. Religion is not what saves a person. A person is saved through childbearing. And how does childbearing come about? I'm asking us. How does childbearing come about? I'm asking us, how does childbearing come about? Through union with God. Through intimacy, through intercourse with the Holy Spirit. God bless you, Olilolua, for bringing this scripture. Let's read it, okay? Let's read it, actually. Who wants to read this with me? You're going to explain this scripture. Somewhere is your hand. Who wants to read it with me? Actually, Oshuari, you raised your hand earlier. Let's read the scripture. Matthew chapter 7. Okay, sir, please, one minute. Matthew right. 7. Verse 21. Okay, sir. So let's read from 21 says, to 23. Okay, sir. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name. And then I would declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. He said, I never what? It says, um, and then I would declare to them, I never knew you. I never what? I never knew you. I never now knew let, you. I want us to interpret that statement. No, I heard you. I heard you. I was just, I wanted you to emphasize it. That's all. It's not like I couldn't hear you. <laughs> okay, so 
I want you to interpret that statement there in light of Luke, Luke chapter 1, verse 34. Luke 1, 24. Okay, one minute. I never knew you. So let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 24. And let's interpret that statement okay. there. Okay. And Luke 1, 24 says, Now, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has... Sorry, sorry, 134. 134. In the day sorry, 134. Okay. Yes. All right. And it says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? Well, do, you, do you see that? What, what, so what's, what's, what does it mean when God doesn't know somebody? God hasn't had intercourse with the person. Let's open Genesis chapter 4. Okay, sir. Chapter 4, verse 1. Okay, sir. 4, 1 says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Let's and read... said, I have... <laughs> so you already asked... Let's read Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. Okay, sir. One minute. 25, where are you? Okay. And Adam knew his wife again. And? And she bought his phone. So, is it, is it, isn't it, you're laughing. <laughs> are you seeing it? Isn't it crazy? And Elkanah knew his wife. And are you <laughs> Now, what yes, always sir. comes after knowing? A bearing, fruitfulness. A bearing. I, I is, is it making sense? Do you see how the Bible is just... It's just so plain. Like it's just as yes, clear sir. as day. If one looks at it, it's just like clear as day. So now let's go back to that initial scripture in, okay. um, in uh, uh, is it uh, what we're reading about where he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Yeah, Matthew. It was Matthew. Yeah, Ma sorry, sir, please, the chapter again on this. Matthew chapter, hold on. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Yes, that's it. So it says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we, we have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And what and what is the evidence that a person has not known the Lord? They bear wrong fruits. Indeed. Now let's open the book of John, first John. First John. Guys, I'm all taking note of all these scriptures. Hmm? First John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. Ah, hallelujah. First John chapter 2, verse yeah. 3 to, okay. to 5. Okay. It says, Now by this we know that we know him. Did you see that? Wait, I want to read it slowly. Read it slowly again. Now by this we know that we know him. Hmm. Go on. If we keep his commandments. Hmm. Go on. He who says, I know him. And does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him pause did you see but that whoever... yes sir the truth is not in, not in him. him remember ezekiel chapter 2 what happened when 
the God, when God spoke to Ezekiel, what happened? He entered into him. He entered into him, right? Because in intercourse, you enter him and he enters you. Are you seeing it here? Yes, sir. Let's continue, verse, verse 5. Okay. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this, we know that we are in him. Continue. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. It's not mm. prophecy that verifies our knowledge of God. It's not whether we can quote divine mystery, we can quote this, we can, we can quote that. It's not whether we can do deliverance. <laughs> right? Is about the knowledge of Christ. And the knowledge of Christ is actually a sexual term. Thank you so much, Ashwari. Have you all seen that? The knowledge, knowledge in the Bible is actually a sexual term. Have you understand it? Knowledge in the Bible is actually a sexual term. And that term is always accompanied with the bearing of fruit and this person knew and gave birth and this person knew and gave birth and this person knew and gave birth the fruits we give birth to the fruits we produce testify of who we know is it making sense now let me show something let me show something Let's open. Who wants to read with me now? Who who else? Raise your hand, please. Chisom. Let's read John chapter 3. God bless you. Let's read John chapter 3, verses 11. John chapter 3, verse 11. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen and you do not receive our witness so i mean question for you now he was speaking to religious men wasn't he yes sir based on this statement we testify of what we know we, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen why would he say that to those people because they are religious now they 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 are supposed to know God, right? Yes. Sir. So what, what's the point he's making here? Try and explain your own words. Okay. He was trying to say that um he has ex um, that he has a deeper relationship with God, like he has intimacy with God. So he has seen in-depthly inside of God. So he really understands God to speak of the things that he was speaking of at that time. And then Indeed. they were just speaking based on things they read. Exactly. They were speaking based on things they've read, not things that they have become as a result of what? Intimacy. Intimacy. Thank you so much, Chiso. Are we all understanding? <laughs> someone said, someone said, um, <laughs> if we say this outside, that is, let us begin to have sex with God. That is a problem. But you know what's so funny? In the Hebrew language, it's so clear. Are you understanding? When the Hebrew language says you don't know God, 
in Hebrew, the Hebrew person does not separate it from sex. We understand it. Because sex, like I said, is not just the entrance of the phallus into the uterus. It's a holistic thing. Have you understood what I'm saying? It's a holistic thing. It's not, it's not disjointed. The intercourse between a man and a woman physically is just one branch of sex. Oh, Yululuwa, we just read John chapter 3, verses 11, yeah? People of God, are we understanding? Are we understanding? Are we understanding? And this is what, of course, marriage is deeper than is taught. My God, it's far deeper. It's far deeper. And that's why the devil tries to spoil marriages. Because if a man and woman become aware of the mystery, the true mystery of marriage, my God, something else is deeper than we think. It's deeper than I'm even at liberty to say now, as a matter of fact. It's very deep. It's very deep. I don't say that much. Marriage is very deep. Marriage is very deep. Now, are we able to understand the unpardonable sin? What it means to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? It's sexual immorality. Do you understand it? Sexual immorality. Both of your temple and both of your heart. Where you consistently live in adultery to the Holy Spirit is not forgivable because you are still committing it. Until you repent, there is no forgiveness for you. It's true. Jesus Christ healed a paralytic man. After he healed him, what did he say to him? What did he say to him? He said, go and sin no more. Because if he sees again, that forgiveness will be taken away, true or false. True or false. To live in the perfect forgiveness of God is to cease being a lawbreaker, period. The Bible says the heavenly man does not continue to sin. Have you understand it? The heavenly man does not continue to sin. It's the carnal man that continues to sin. I said, the one who walks in perfect forgiveness is the one who ceases to be a lawbreaker. So long as you keep breaking the law, you enter into God's naughty book and you must face the consequences of your actions. Have you understand it? Have you understand it? Have you understand it? So someone asked, how can People perform miracles using the name of Jesus 
if they haven't been in union with Christ. I wish my, my, my dear brother Danobello was here. This is something he loves to talk about a lot. Abi Ugo, is this true or false? He loves to talk about this a lot. About where he grew up in, in the, 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 the church setting he grew up in from the CAC set. How when we talk about the manifestation of power, it was raw. It was very raw. But what happened is that power remained, but fruit left. And a lot of those people had power. But because that power, which is a gift of the Holy Spirit, was not subjected to the Holy Spirit, that power became an extension of the will of demons. In case you don't know, that's how every wizard is born. When you have power that is not submitted to the Spirit of God, even if that power is 10,000 Naira, if you use that 10,000 Naira in obedience to a false spirit, you have already begun witchcraft, actually. It's just that you don't have greater means of performing your desires. But any power used in obedience to a contrary spirit is witchcraft. Write that down. That's the definition of witchcraft. Any power used in obedience to a contrary spirit is witchcraft. Period. Any power at all. Any power at all. So you when this says, in all our longings, we should first desire fruits and then gifts, right? No. In all our longings, we need to desire intimacy. Fruit and gift are products of intimacy. Because you shouldn't desire to be to be kind. Because in that place is covetousness. I understand it. Because most of the when you say, ah, I wish I was kind like this person, you are, you are probably not trying to be kind. You wish that people could look at you the way they look at that person. What you want is intimacy with the Holy Spirit. When you have intimacy, all these things flow out naturally. Because God is like a man that is very virile, that is very potent. And if your soil is fertile, you would bear fruit. So I mean, it says, can we covet intimacy with the Holy Spirit? Just abandon the word covet. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first. That should be your earnest desire. All right? I don't want to get too much into semantics so that we don't confuse ourselves. Seek first the, 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 seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first. Are you understanding? Seek first. Seek first. And Paul said in Corinthians that I would like that you would... How did he say it? When he said we should desire the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let me find that passage right now. Let me find that passage for us right now. In 1 Corinthians 
chapter 1, verse 14. Who wants to read with me? 1 Corinthians 1, verse 14. Who wants to read with me? 1 Corinthians 1, 14. Patricia, we've already gone before. I want someone else. 1 Corinthians 1, 14. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Rachel. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1, 14. Can you hear me? Yes. I thank Please. God that I baptized none of you. No, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1. Okay, 14, verse 1. Mm. Pursue love and desire, and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Why did he say we should desire this? Well, the answer is in verse 4, verse, verse 3. Or well, the clue is in verse 3. Okay, um, to desire, he said to, to edify the church and exhortation of the church. That's men. That's what he said. So tell me why Paul said we should we should desire gifts and especially prophecy. Why why should we desire it? Um the gift I think is um speaking in tongues, which we are speaking directly to God in our um prayers to God while prophesying meaning um, fruits of um, setting the captives free prophesying edifying the church I think that's what I understand by so why should we desire so why should we desire it what, what, what is the purpose of prophecy then to edify the church very well so prophecy is for what edification and exhortation so what does paul really want us to desire relationship with god yes ultimately but in relationship to prophecy what does he want us to desire oh my god i don't know <laughs> you already said it you already said it before i'm just playing with i'm playing around with you right what, what is the purpose <laughs> of prophecy to edify the church yes yeah. so are we designing prophecy or are we designed some, something else something else we're designing something else so what's that something prophecy. else um so maybe i'm confusing you the purpose I of prophecy so. is for what <laughs> to, to edify the church so do we desire prophecy for, for, for prophecy's sake? No, for no. Uh, uh, praises, glory, and yeah, that's... No, no, don't, no, don't change your words. You already said prophecy to edify the church, right? No, you, you, asked, you asked, do we desire prophecies for the sake of prophesying? Yes. And I said no, because Indeed. we just want praises and glories to yes, our names. Yes, indeed, indeed, indeed. So why do we desire prophecy then? Why, According to Paul, what is the real reason to desire prophecy? Um, according to the part where it says he has called me to set uh, the captives free. Mm, that's, come on, girl. That's what, that's what we should desire prophecy for. 
indeed to see people what to set people uh, the captives free to restore blind um, sights to the blind and yeah absolutely <laughs> now what will make us want to feel to see a person free what kind of feeling do we have to have first love how do we get that love from the relationship we have with Christ. So is, are you seeing how everything ties together? Yes. So what happens when a person desires spiritual gifts and prophecy, but they don't have intimacy with God? Uh, that would be having intimacy with false gods, which is can be anger, can be uh, loss, can be greed so it's absolutely yeah. we become professor yes. suddenly <laughs> <laughs> right yeah what we prophesy so that people can lift us up we prophesy so that we'll collect money we prophesy so that young girls can follow are you, are you understanding what i'm saying yeah yes prophecies for the edification we desire it not because we want to prophesy we desire because we want to see people liberated. Now, I'll ask you a question. If your real desire okay. is to see people liberated mm. and God does not give you prophecy, what would you do? Uh, I think the best thing is to keep praying and asking God to help you in, in that area. Indeed. That's what I would okay. do. Indeed. Okay. Let, let me put it this way. Because I know that my questions are making it hard for you to give me the... I know I'm making it complicated because I have, a, I have a, a, an answer in my head that I'm trying to make you say was difficult. So let me, let me put it okay. like this. Okay. Let's say... Let's say that prophecy... Even though this is wrong, this is not, this is not an absolute statement, okay? Because to prophesy, actually, it means to channel God. So everybody should prophesy. Okay. Even if you're hugging someone, and you're telling someone no in your punishing someone, all of this is prophecy. Are you understanding? Because a prophecy yes. is to channel God. It's not just about talking all oh, your future, your past. It's to be a channel mm. of the life of God. Okay? That's the definition yes. of prophecy. But let's put that aside yeah. for now for the sake of semantics and what I want to say. Hmm? Let's okay. say prophecy is just telling the future hmm? and giving word of knowledge. Okay. If your desire... And let's say that's one of the ways you can liberate a person. One of the ways you can liberate a person that is through prophecy okay yes yes what then happens if god doesn't give you prophecy what will you do it keeps the person in bondage instead of liberating no no what would you do if you don't if there are other ways a person can be delivered but you don't have prophecy what would you do you pray for the person you pray for the person what else there's no definite answer it's just like what do you do when you don't have that particular means to get to that end? You, I think it's prayer, mostly praying to God, seeking for understanding on how to go about things instead of uh, just prophesying to, to the person because at the end of the day, it gives bondage. You, and you pray to God to get other what? clarifications other clarification on, on all means yes right 
because the yes. issue that most people have we think we really want to see people liberated but no we want power because already as you are you have power to some degree yeah. and you can bring help to someone in some to some degree you might not be able to mm. prophesy like uh, prophet uh, passion java <laughs> you know passion java if you don't know you no i'm new here thank god you don't know I'm, not, even I'm, if you're old yeah <laughs> passion java is not my friend so let me just put that out there <laughs> okay <I know. laughs> who is a popular prophet in this time who is a who, who gives who okay let me see prophet tommy around for example right okay even if you can prophet prophesy like prophet tommy around mm. there are many other ways you can edify a person isn't it so yes yeah. There are many other ways you can liberate someone. Do you understand? Sometimes it could just rise yeah. to eat in the afternoon. And in that way, God has been ministered to them. Yes. Because the point is not to have gifts. The point mm. is to edify and build. To see people built up from being broken. That's the point. That's the heart. And when you have that heart, you will do it by any means necessary, isn't it so? Yes. How do you feel when you go to a store maybe in the market mm-hmm. you ask a person do you have this shirt he says no you don't say where can i find it he say you can't find it anywhere in this market how do you feel about that you feel bad <laughs> yeah like what kind of nonsense person is this because it's probably a lie yes isn't it so yes what does that tell you is the, does that person eh? i say it's discouraging you from finding other means because he wants the money to come to himself yes indeed so that person is he serving you or serving himself serving himself serving himself people of god are we able to pay attention to this are we, are we able to understand this to the rest yeah. of us rachel are you able to understand this yes so why do we why did paul say we should desire gifts and to prophesy in fact, read it again. Let's read it again. Read that for First Corinthians 14, verse 1. Let's read it from the first word and then finish it. Pursue love and Pause. desire spiritual gifts. How did he start that verse? Pursue. Do you no pursue what? Pursue love. Do you see the root of everything? Yes. Is it making sense? Yes, sir. Thank you, Rachel. Awful. God bless you. Amen. So Christ said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. What does that tell you of the miracles those people performed, of the signs and wonders, of the casting out devils, of the healing? What does that tell you about the miracles of such people? Who can answer me? They were of other spirits. Are you understanding? They were from other spirits. It didn't come from God. Even if the power was what God put in it. Actually, let me tell us a mystery that I said last week, even though I, 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 I paused the recording at that time. There is no power in this world that doesn't come from God. The power that which is used is still God's power. Are you understanding? The power that wizards use is still God's power. All power belongs to God. Do you understand? Once have you spoken, twice have I heard that all power belongs to God. You can't have power without God. 
all. When Pilate was about to kill Jesus, no? Well, that's a wrong statement. When Jesus Christ was about to go to the cross, Pilate said to him, don't you know that I have authority over whether you live or die? He said, listen, nobody can have authority except God gives it to him. Is it making sense? Whether a witch in the covering, a wizard, a principality, all power belongs to God. So ultimately, everybody is using the power of God. But not everybody is using the power of God with God. Now that's a difference. Such miracles are corrupted. In fact, such miracles are not even considered miracles in the, in the calendars of heaven. Are you understanding? Shall I tell us a story? Shall I tell us a story? All right, I'll tell you. One of my teachers, Wait, before I say that, Adela, which train of thoughts did it, what, 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 what was that? I, so I said that all power belongs to God. Right? All power belongs to God. The question is, the power that you have, which obviously came from God, who is inspiring the usage of it? That's what determines whether what you're doing is sanctified or corrupted. Whether you raise the dead, whether you heal the sick, whether you drive out devils. Are you understanding? Because you don't need the power of God to drive out devils. You just need a higher authority to drive out devils. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And many don't know this truth. That you don't need the power of God to drive out the devil. You just need a higher authority. Because devils and demons, they have a hierarchy. If a, a senior one comes and says, leave, it will leave. And a lot of people who are in, into wizardry, that's what really goes on. A person with a higher level of demon, of, of demon possession speaks to a lesser one and says, leave this body. That one to scream. They are both acting. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So, a higher authority in the kingdom of darkness can drive out a demon of lesser authority. And they are both laughing with each other. You don't know. Are we understanding? If it was your question, a kingdom divided yes, cannot stand. Yeah, so just the way you just explained, hmm. obviously, where. Um, even people that are corrupted have cast out demons and heal. I want to just, for example, if somebody, you know, comes, unfortunately comes under that, that atmosphere and receives a physical healing and we say that that miracle is corrupted. It, it, so assuming maybe the person had cancer or couldn't walk and now can walk, what corruption does that person also receive even though they can now walk? They were healed. I just want some clarification on that. The question is very valid. Mm -hmm. True healing is never a healing of the flesh. That's why when Christ healed a man of being crippled, he told him to not go and sin again. 
are we understanding? Understand that speech is not just a speech, but an empowerment to live a life free from sin. Because the root of his, his lameness was sin. Are we understanding? The root of his lameness was sin. A true healer doesn't just heal your body, they heal your soul because that's the root of illness. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? So a person who is not really a healer, they don't address the root problem, which is the carnal nature. Have you understand what I'm saying? They don't address the real problem, which is the carnal man who brought you into bondage in the first place. And when someone like that heals you, something worse definitely will come because they have not addressed the real issue. Are you understanding? That's why be wary of someone who calls themselves a prophet if they're not a teacher. That person is very dangerous. Who can pray for you and that illness will leave you and it will leave because they have authority, they have force that they can force that thing out. But they haven't built in you an infrastructure that will keep you healed going forward. So it's a problem when someone does prays for you, prays for you, prays for you. I said, be beware of someone who is a prophet that is not a teacher. Samuel was a prophet, but he had a school where he trained other prophets to walk in the way. And when Saul just hung, hung around them for just a little moment, are you understanding? When Saul hung around them just for a little moment, Saul began to prophesy, isn't it true? Are you understanding? To show, and that's why I always say, just hang around, because that's how it is. When you hang around an atmosphere, the spirit of that atmosphere will touch you. That's how you know where you are. Every place has an atmosphere. And that atm the spirit of that atmosphere will be revealed by the fruit. A person tells you they're a prophet, don't listen to them. Listen to their students. Watch their students. The students will tell you what that person is, actually. Don't listen to the person. That person is very sophisticated. They have already, they know how to package. Look at the list of their members. Observe them. It will tell you of that the, the strength of that church. Are you understanding? You go to a church, the prophet is prophesying, accurate from top to bottom, and you just see people, you know, sexual immorality. That man, that man is not authentic. I say this without mincing words. The redeemed Christian Church of God is not a perfect church, that's for sure. But compared to most places, that church doesn't have as much scandals, at least when it comes to sexual immorality. Are you, are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Are you understanding what I'm saying? You will find it there because human beings are there and human beings will be human beings, okay? But it's not a pandemic in that church. Do you guys get my point? Sexual immorality is not a pandemic in redeemed church. And it tells you of the person that is at the head because the oil always flows from top down. There are some churches where sexual immorality is the order of the day. 
from their ministers to their choir. In fact, homosexuality, you even see it. It's a very popular church. When I look at them, I know that that man at the top is a homosexual. And I see his, 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 um, his men that are around him, they're also homosexuals. Very big man of God. It's unfortunate that people can't see it. It's unfortunate. All of them, you look at their face, the spirit of homosexuality is powerful on their face. I mean, it's, un- it's, un- it's unbelievable how people have not seen this. And people who are in that church will tell you that it's true. It's a very big church, a big, very big church. Big, everybody knows the church. Big church. The man is big, he has been around for a long time. But I won't say more than that. Well, I won't talk about the man, I'll talk about the church. The people who have been in that church, homosexuality is common. In fact, their choir is a, is a whole house. In fact, they are, they are choir, just the way, if you want to have sex in that church, just go and stay with the choir. You will get a nice babe that will, you know, take care of you very well in a very popular church. And it's common in all the branches. Even homosexuality, because I know a particular person who has been in that church for a long time. He's also a minstrel. He told me about it. And even looking at that man too, I look at him. He too has it in his body. Because one day we were at, we were at a retreat, went for a trip. And then, you know, we're outstanding with him. The one girl came. He now told her, hug me now. And I started touching his stomach as he was talking to her. I was looking at this man. I said, wow. And if you hear this man sing, my God, the house comes down. I'm not kidding. If this man opens his mouth, Lord of Jesus, I am not playing. It is on, you've never heard something like that. If he sings, it's like thunder is blasting. You are arrested. I kid you not. When he opens his mouth, there are very few people I've seen who can command that kind of atmosphere. I'm not kidding. But I stood with him, I was watching him. He saw the girl. He said, come and hold me now, come and hold me. He's married with three children. She now refused, even though I know that one too is a fool because I know two of them were playing with themselves. Because I was standing there, she did not hug him. I looked at her, but she too, throughout that trip, she was always flirting with me. I'm sitting and she's come to touch my leg. I was like, what's wrong with you silly people? You know? You know? Things are happening in the church. Things are happening. So I was watching him that day because he was talking. This church, ah, they are choir, homosexual, this and this, this and that. But I was watching him. He's in his body too. Look at he was looking at the girl. I, I mean, I've, I've come on, you know lost eyes when you see it. You can, it's very easy to discern it. His body movement, everything. Because when you, when you talk about spirit of discernment, even if a person waves their hand, if you have the spirit of discernment, you know the spirit that was behind that waving of hand. You can smell it. You just feel it. You say, ah, that hand that you wave was lost. You can even know when it's pride. There's a way a person can even adjust themselves when they're sitting down. You know pride has entered. That adjusting was giving space for pride. You can descend it. Even the way they will change the tone of their voice or they'll put their hand on their, on their leg, you know you can tell from the physical action the spirit that has powered it. Now, what that man that day, 
the way he acted. Ah, I said, this guy, you are, he's, not, he's even still in your body. Because he was a very popular singer before, then he entered into iniquity and God took him away for like three years. But I watched him that day. He's still in his body. You understand? I was seeing him on my WhatsApp status. He's posting. He first video his shoe. He video his glasses. You know, he now walk. Someone is now, Kamama is not following him. He's not saying, you know, children of God need to look sweet. I'm like, shut up. You know, you're just trying to stay up lost in these unfortunate young girls. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. I'll be honest. I know that I'm a very comely person. I know that I'm, I'm very handsome. That's the truth. God bless me with physical beauty. I know that. I don't need anybody to tell me that. And because of that, that's why I don't put myself too much. I'm telling you. That's why I don't put myself too much. Not because there's a crime there, but I, I don't want to mislead young ladies. I'm being honest. It sounds funny, but I'm being very honest. There's a way I can be posting pictures on my Instagram. It will bring the wrong kind of people around me. And I don't, I don't, I don't want it. I don't need it. It's not, it's not even good. Imagine if you're opening my story, you see me I'm looking in the camera with my eye, I put on glasses, I show my chest, I, like what kind of issue be issue that, that day you should be worried about me now. Are you understanding? Do you understand? You should be worried. You should actually DM me and say, sir, you understand? Do you understand? As a man, you also have to be careful, especially in a ministerial position. You want to be careful so that you don't, you know, you know, lead girls astray. Should be told, you know. Just so that, you know, people don't come for the wrong reasons, you know. And they say, oh, man of God, man of God, but it's a lie. They are crushing on you like, like nothing you can even describe. It's true. And some men, they pride in it. You know? It's true. Because already, my following is 80% women, 20% men, according to Instagram statistics. So, I'll be a monkey if I start to do that. And that's how it is with most ministers. The women are a majority, men are a minority. You understand? But you know, I'm now making small, small girls be crushing for me and I'll not be taking pride in it. Are you understand what I'm saying? No, I'm talking about my Instagram page, Ify. In this community, men are 10%, actually, if not five. In fact, one lady came, she joined like two years ago, and she came for one of the meetings, and she was like, <laughs> she said, is this women's ministry? I said, no, wow. You see, I've been asking God the same thing. <laughs> I've been asking God the same thing. I've been asking God the same thing. You know, you know why you don't find many men here? Because men, will, let me tell you how men are. If, it's a, if, we are, if we're a more physical gathering, right, and there was space for, you know, power structures, hierarchy, you know, that's where you find men. Because men gravitate to where, you know, there's some kind of power they can achieve. 
there's some kind of ladder they can climb. It's unfortunate, but that's meant for you. You know? So a place like this where the ground is almost flat, where there's no star boy, star girl, men will run from this kind of place. It doesn't give them the chance to stand shine. There was a time one wonderful boy was in this ministry and he came and he was noticing how a lot of, you know, prayers, some teaching sessions, it was majorly women. He started messaging him. He said, what's wrong with you? He actually said that to me. He said, what's wrong with you? Why are women talking so much here? You know, he says it's a problem. Ah. <laughs> Jefferson, you know the person now. I said, ah, why? So who should talk? Is it you? <laughs> is it you? <laughs> Are you the one? <laughs> the Lord is on your side. He left. Because he wanted to be the one to talk. And he left. And that's meant for you. That's meant for you. He left, he came back, he left, he came back. When he left, I blocked him the third time. I said, that's not how it works anymore. Yeah, I blocked him. <laughs> you know, I'm not here to play those games with you. You're not a serious person. And you're actually a danger because he was, he was, a, he was, a, he was a misogynist, actually, that, that gentleman. No. And he wasn't ready for light. You know? So, even as a man, you, you have to be careful, you know, with, with women. Right? Because women, uh, one just has to be careful, right? One just has to be careful because you, you enter trouble. So when I see a man who is just anyhow, 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 Every man is baby, 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 baby. Now what for you? Now what for you? You know. Now what for you? That man is already in danger. You know. Every my baby, and you're laughing. The girl too is laughing. You monkey. <laughs> <laughs> you understand? Everybody's just deceiving themselves. And I say, oh, it's my brother in Christ in church. Now go and sit down his lap. Oh, my brother in Christ. It is well with you. In fact, it is well with both of you. What you are looking for, you will find it. Yeah? What you are looking for, you will find it. Oh, it's a pure relationship, you know, it's love. Let me sit on his lap. What you're looking for, you'll find it. Man, you're in church. You make sure you hug every girl in the church before you leave. What's, what, what are you looking for? Why must you hug every girl? Let me tell you, if you feel in your heart an impulsive need to hug the opposite sex, that's the moment when you deny it. Let me just give us that little guide. When you feel in your heart that compulsion to want to hug that person, there's lust at work. Because why should you be so moved to do it? Why are you so moved? It's true. It's true. 
and I can even go, I can even go deeper, but you know, if I get raw like this, it gets too raw. <laughs> you know? Especially all those ladies that are a bit busty. Those are the ones you want to hug the most. You now want to now press them. Now, you now find that bustier ladies, they're not so self-conscious. So they always, you know, <laughs> true or false? True or false? Because men have just been so stupid with them. So they're just so, you know. You know? Now what for you? If your hand can't touch, you make sure that you feel it with your body. Now what? In the name of my sister, my sister, my sister, shut up your mouth. It's your sister. Will you have your own sister like that? Eh? Now what? You know, so we, we, we need to not deceive ourselves because deception is much. Deception is much. Everywhere, you must hug all the girls there. You must hug all of them. You can't be at peace until you hug all of them. And you're not making tight hug. It's all, it's all lost that is at work in you. It's all lost. You know, it's all, it's, don't deceive yourself. So these are things we have to be introspective about so that we don't deceive ourselves. If you feel a compulsive need to go and hug that woman, eh? Don't do it. And vice versa. Woman, you feel a compulsive need to hug that man, that's the moment you don't do it. Because there's something in you that's trying to eat. And it will eat when you carry out that action. Don't do it. That moment you feel it, just stand. Stand aside. In fact, that's when you now even really do your side hug or you give your handshake. Because there's something that's moving you to one. Who knows what I'm talking about? Where you, you know that, ah, I want to hold this person. Who knows? Be honest with me. Do you understand? So you need to catch yourselves in such moments. You understand what I'm saying? In the beginning, awareness can make one see everything as impure, okay? But it's good because we're not so pure. So in the beginning, we need that impurity to come to the surface. But after a while, we need to not become like children again where we abandon all those things. Are you understanding? And we just be. But in the beginning, you have to be honest with yourself and begin to observe yourself and know that mm, this thing I'm doing is not as pure. After a while, then you can now forget. And so that because you can't go around thinking, oh, because then too much sex is on the brain and then you are even feeling lost even in your abstinence loss is still being fed in fact loss is being fed more in your abstinence it's becoming powerful so the time comes when you just abandon you don't even think you just move do you understand do you understand so yeah so that church you know that church, homosexuality is obviously there. Sexual immorality is definitely there. I look at their pastor, the main pastor. I look at all these co-pastors. Those people, they are, they are sleeping with themselves. I don't care what anybody says. Like, if there is homosexuality. No. That's why the pastor is never married. Because it's not straight. I won't be surprised if that's... Anyway, let me not talk about that. Hallelujah. You know? You know, 
and the power will move because the power is there. You understand? But you want to know a false prophet, stay around these people. Don't, don't look at that person himself because that person can package. You get what I'm saying? When you go to any new group, don't look at the lead first. Look at the lead first. Did you guys get that? Don't look at the lead. Look at the lead. The lead will tell you about the lead more than the lead will tell you. So you look at the lead, you start to see society, society, you know, this one is forming and this, you know, click this. You already know that that person too is a society, society person. You know. And that person is a snob too. Because for that spirit of snobbing to exist there, he has it. Because if he didn't have it, that spirit would die. Because in church, there's so much society. A lot. Click, oh, this and that. This is rubbish. God killed Eli because of his children that were his fruits. And no matter how good Eli looked, his children revealed what Eli really was. So you want to know who is leading? Look at the ones that are being led. They will tell you about the one that is leading. Because an apple never falls too far from the tree. Are you understanding? An apple never falls too far from the tree. It applies to everything. Right? Because the oil comes from up down. Are you understanding? So Tulu said, are you saying I'm a part of my pastor? Well, yes or no. Your pastor has great influence upon you. That is the spirit that he operates by. It's still up to you to accept or reject it. Because you can still be with a very anointed man of God and you still be a Judas. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> you always find Judas in the midst. But majority will not be Judas. If majority are Judas, that man is a Judas too. Are you getting my point? Wherever the sons of God are gathered, you will always find the devil there. Always. That's the way it is. In fact, it is important that the devil is there because it's the devil that keeps them on their toes. If there's no devil, they won't pray. The devil moves you to pray, actually. You understand? So sometimes, whenever you're sleeping too much, God will just send some witches to flog you. It will, it will stir up your prayer life. That's the truth. <laughs> so someone said Samuel was trained by Eli, though. Of course. And that tells you that Samuel also had light. Is it making sense? Is it making sense? Do you understand? So it tells you that Samuel was not completely terrible for the fact that... Sorry, it tells you that Eli was not completely terrible for the fact that Samuel was his product. Okay? Make sense? Yes, Samuel had children with issues too, you know, and that's why the Bible talks about how we see in part, we know in part. But when the time of fullness comes, right? Because every church that Paul planted today doesn't exist anymore. Right? Paul's biggest ministry was in Turkey. Turkey is a Muslim country today. Are we understanding? So based on that, even Paul's ministry was not complete. Because every church he planted died. 
Wait, who is that? There's a meeting the microphone that is making. that Adebanji could you mute yourself please okay I think it's a network right so you go to a ministry you're definitely going to see some bad sheep okay so don't think that just because you saw a rude person in a ministry that the whole ministry is like that no that's what I'm saying are you guys understanding you find rude people because a ministry is a hospital there'll be some sick people there all right but in a hospital, if there are more sick people than people that are well, you should ask yourself, is this place really a hospital? <laughs> are you understanding me? If there's nobody that is well, there, everybody's sick. Ah, uh ah, -uh, now wow. Jesus will show. <laughs> are you understanding? Especially among the workforce. In fact, more of the workforce than the general congregation because some of the congregation, they're not really part of the church. The real church, who knows this? The real church is the workforce. I hope you guys know. In every ministry, the real church, there is the workforce. I hope you understand what I'm saying. In every ministry, the real church is the workforce. It's not the congregation. The congregation, those people, they come and they go. The real church is the workforce. The ushers, the ministers, the all those people that they meet with the pastor three times a week and all that. That's the real church. That's how you know where you are. And if you see them, you know, very funny, funny, you can know that that man too is funny. Because if he was a good man, he will call those, he will call those things out. You understand? I heard of a particular church where when Tokemakiwa comes to the church, they give her front row seat. And that's a very big church in Lagos. How can that place have light? It can't have light. It will have social lights, <laughs> but it won't have light. It will have social lights, but it won't have light. You understand? And that church, when we talk about money, <laughs> money is there. This is not money, this money is there, but there's no light. And the pastor, clean speaks perfectly well dresses well packages himself but there's no light there there's no light all they have is a monument there's no movement that's it you understand it Wherever you find relationship, you must always find fruit there. If there's no fruit, there's no relationship, period. If you go to a different religion and you find fruit, I promise you there's relationship. Authentic fruit, I promise you there's relationship. And the Bible says this. The Bible didn't condemn other religions. Are you understanding? Are you guys understanding? The Bible never condemned other religions. The Bible condemned other gods. There's a big difference. Is someone getting what I'm saying? 
The Bible didn't condemn other religions, he condemned other gods. There's a big difference. Because even in Christianity, other gods are there and God will still condemn it. In Judaism, there were other gods and Jesus Christ came to condemn it because he said to them, you are slaves. And can you be a slave without a slave master? So when you, go, when you see God speaking against something, you want to ask, why are you speaking against this? And what exactly are you speaking against? When you look at all the different gods that are spoken about in the Old Testament, his issue was not with the God in itself, but with the fruit that was produced. Is that fruit that made that God evil and false? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Any God that tells you to rob somebody to steal from someone, that God must be false. Because if the whole world robbed everybody, the whole world would be destroyed. True or false? True or false? So how can a God that moves you to steal be true? Are you understanding what I'm saying? How can a God that moves you to steal be true? When theft does not make the world enter unity but division. How can a God that tells you to sacrifice your children be true? When the elder is meant to sacrifice itself for the younger, the elder is sacrificing the younger. Okay, so how would there be future? How would there be continuity when all the children are killed? How can that kind of God be true? Is it making sense? I'm trying to give us the logic as to why God said those gods are evil. Is it making sense? It's not about this race or that race or that religion. I'm trying to give you the definitions of what God considers evil. So, for example, you say Islam is evil. You need to ask, what is evil actually? Is it Islam? You say Christianity is good. What is good about Christianity? Is it Christianity? Because in the Middle Ages, Christians were responsible for genocide. Do you know that? Christians killed hundreds of thousands of people in the name of Jesus. And they made them say, if you don't serve God, you will die. And they killed people who did not agree to follow their God. Can that be the truth? Can that be the truth? It can't be. We talk about how, oh, when Muslims were going about, they were telling people, serve God or die. Christians were the ones that did it first. That's how they learned about it. In case you don't know. Before the Ottoman Empire, you had the Holy Roman Empire that used God to enslave all of Europe and the known world, including the Ottomans, until they rose in strength through their technology. So all the evil the Ottoman Empire did in the name of Allah, they learned it from Christians, just so you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let's go and learn our history so you can understand. Okay? Go and learn your histories very well. So if you think Islam is a problem, you are very wrong. There are some Muslims in the world today that know Christ more than you, actually. Even though they've never heard the name Jesus Christ, they know him more than you. And in the day of judgment, God will pick that person in and you'll be put out. Shall I show us in the Bible? Shall I show us in the Bible? All right, let's open our Bible. 
Once read with me. Raise your hand, please. Once read with me. Yuri, let's go. Ah, Yuri, you've been waking up early these days. Right? I've been seeing Yuri in the chat. Ah, Yuri is in the chat. Hey, yeah, so she can wake up in the morning. Hey, yeah, good girl. Are you on mute? Okay. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Romans chapter 2. What scripture? Proverbs? Romans chapter 2. Okay. Romans to the verse, verse 20, verse 25. Verse 25, okay. So I get the NKJV. Verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But what does if that mean? You of the law, that means that the circumcision, right, that is that Paul is speaking about, being like the physical removal of the skin, is only profitable and it only makes sense in quotes if one keeps the law so keeping of the law proves one circumcision indeed aside from a person flaying the the foreskin give me other ways of circumcision like if i say you're circumcised from the world give me a picture of that so um the word that comes to mind is consecration consecration so maybe you don't being... you don't go to some places you don't wear yes. some kind of clothes are you, are you guys understanding? All those things are part of circumcision outwardly. You don't eat pork, you know. You you know, one is still a virgin physically. <laughs> are you following me? Yeah. I like physically. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right, continue, my dear. But if you are a breaker of the law, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Tell me what that means. Should I keep? Should... Okay, um, as, as the preceding sentence said, if you keep the law, um, it proves your circumcision. However, if you do not keep the law and you break the law, it invalidates your circumcision. So what is circumcision? So, is it outside or inside? It's inside. Right. And so it's like one saying, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But then your fruits don't necessarily show or points to the Christ that you believe in. So. Hallelujah. Let's read verse 26 now. Read it one, read it okay. with strength and emphasis. Okay. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? Now read 27. Let me burn some people's head. Read 27 with emphasis and strength. Okay. And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you who even in your even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? Listen, like Muslims will judge many Christians on the last day. Many Muslims wow. will judge Christians. Hmm? 
Many Buddhists would judge Christians. Many Hindus would judge Christians. You know, Christianity is one of the most arrogant religions on the planet. They don't even know that they're in trouble. There's no difference between Christianity today and the Jews of yesterday who believe they were better than everybody simply because they were of the bloodline of Abraham, even though they were doing things that their father Abraham did not do. You recall I explain that part you just read now. Okay. Um, as basically, it's saying that. Um, hmm. No, no, that's interesting because I'm now reading it again, and it says that if one fulfills the law, they will judge the one that does not fulfill the law, and who claims to be a Jew, right? And so, what comes to mind is that if I read verse twenty-eight law, and twenty-nine, to just then explain it. Read 28 now and 29. If I read it with strength again. Okay. 28 and 29. Okay. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly. You know what? Remove, 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 remove Jew and put Christian there. Read it again. Remove Jew and put Christian. <laughs> okay. For he is not a Christian who is one outwardly. Nor is circumcision that which is outwardly in outward in the flesh. But he is a Christian who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. And so, um, just to explain a kind of capital, it reminds me of what we've been speaking throughout today, being about intimacy and sex, and how one who is in intimacy with God will bear the fruits of God, right? And so, if one is truly a Christian, if one is truly a Christian inwardly, that means they are in they are in intimacy with the Spirit of God, and it would show. It would show in our actions. It would show in what we do. It would show in our fruits and yeah, the children that we bear basically. However, it's now saying that if one bears those fruits and they're not necessarily a christian by title it means that they are in intimacy with the spirit of god um and that's then the fruits that they bear um it proves what they believe and what they're actually in intimacy with and so it reminds and the me to of save them the yes and the fruits to save them and it reminds me of when was it John the Baptist who was um, speaking to the Pharisees who said that they are sons of Abraham and then he said that, you know, they are sons of their father, the devil, because that's the fruits that they were bearing and that is the spirit that they were in intimacy with in that time. And so, yeah, um, us keeping the Lord, the fruits that we bear is what to testify of that which we truly believe. Yeah. Hallelujah. So in case he's still, you know, he hasn't yet sat home, let's put some small fire. You stay with me. Romans chapter 2 from verse 24. Read from 24 to 20. No, read from 14 to 16. Now, this 14, okay. you must read it with emphasis. In fact, wherever <laughs> you see Gentiles, put Muslims. Hmm? Okay. So Romans 2 from verse 14. Where should I stop? Read it with strength too. Okay, for verse 14. For when Muslims who do not have the law by nature do the things in the law, these 
although not having the law are a law to themselves who show the work of the law written in their hearts their conscience also bearing witness and between themselves their thoughts accusing or even excusing them in the day when god will judge the secrets of men by jesus christ according to my gospel indeed you okay who are that. called a okay should yeah. i stop there in fact, let's just finish it. Let's read it 17 to read 17 to 22, Joe. Okay. Read it well. Okay. <laughs> Indeed, you who are called a Christian and rest on the law and make your boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are excellent, being instructed out of the law. And are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of babes, having the form of knowledge and truth in the law. You, therefore, who teach another, do you not teach yourself? You hey, who just... preach that a man should not steal, do you steal? You who say do not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who have bought idols, do you rob temples? You who make a boast in the law, do you dishonor God through breaking the law? For the name of the Lord is blasphemed among amongst the Muslims because of you, as it is written. Are you serious? That's it. Did you guys hear that? This is not El Shakana. This is the Bible. This is Paul. Did you guys hear that? It doesn't get colder than that. Are we understanding? It's because people don't have relationship. That's why we are so we are so interested about converting people to our religion. Did Christ convert anybody to religion? Did Christ convert anybody to any religion? Come on. He never converted anybody to a religion. Where did we learn that? When he said, go and make disciples, was it disciples of religion? Come on. Or disciples of the message that he preached? Come on. And I say, oh, because I go to this church, I'm, a, I'm, I'm chosen. I'm chosen by God. I'm saved. Because you're part of this church. Really? Is that what saves a person? When there's no fruit? What are we talking about? That you have a pastor who has impregnated his secretary, coming on a pulpit and saying that Muslims will go to hell. Wow. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, I laugh in French. <laughs> Let me laugh in French. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> God needs to have mercy on the church. God needs to have mercy of the church. Hallelujah. Okay, I've said a lot now. Now let me answer questions. Raise your hand if you have a question. Because I know there's a lot of dismantling. And... It's better if what I see going forward is based on some questions we're asking. So if you have a question, raise your hand, please. Quick, quick, because if there are too many, we won't do everything. So fastest finger first. If you have a question, raise your hand, please. Quick, 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 quick. All right, Nkechi, shoot. 
okay uh good day so then so then since they say jesus christ is the way mm-hmm. like does it i don't does he always have so you said um, muslims to find muslims in heaven so so you understand my question i don't know how to piece it together but do you understand of course i understand the question but before i will answer you muslim who is it who gave the name muslim did god create muslim no no god created what i'm asking you human beings who created the celebrity who created the black who created white who gave all these things human beings human beings so let's let me first of all dismantle that muslim in heaven no there's no all these are are things that we made all right who created Mm. you know social you know in society now you have those people who they call like outcasts who made all these things is it god human beings now let's read john first john are you with me open your bible please yes First John chapter two. Okay. Are you there? Yes. Okay, read this now. Hmm? Let's read First John chapter two, verse nine. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Go on to eleven. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going, because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So he talks about how a person who has hatred, and it's just one example. Although every evil is is rooted in hatred, and every good is rooted in Mm -hmm. love. Do you agree? I'm asking. Huh? Sorry, sorry. I just um, you said what? Every every evil is written in hatred. Every evil is Every good is written in love. Yes. Right. I agree. Yes, I agree. Now let's read First John chapter two verse three. Because you talked about what does it mean that Jesus Christ is the way, right? So let's find out what this way is. What does First John chapter two verse three say? Now, by this, we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Did you get that? Yes. Give me examples of commandments of Jesus Christ. Um, love your neighbor. Uh, love your neighbor. Love your, love your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Give me more. Uh, do not lie, do not steal, I think. Indeed. Anyone who wants to follow me, they should pick up their cross and follow, right? Yeah, if you yeah. lost in your heart, you have committed adultery. If someone yes. steals your garment, instead of sinning, give them another garment. These are his commandments, right? Yeah, somebody slap Someone okay. slaps you, turn the other cheek. Are you, are you understanding? Yes. That is, those, Christ said, my words are what? life my words are spirit and life isn't it now can you say you follow jesus christ and the words he gave you throw them away 
No. Indeed. So what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ based on what we've just read now? That you keep his commandments. Keep his commandments. So if a donkey comes and tells you what the same thing Christ commanded, will you say because a donkey you should throw it away? Hmm. I understand. Are you making are you getting my point? Yes. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So Jesus is not separated from his commands. In fact, the command of Jesus is Jesus himself. Are we all getting that? That is the only way to God. Those commands, those teachings, those instructions, because those commands, teachings, instructions are God himself. Is it making sense? So you say you're a Christian, but everything you are doing is ungodly. How can you be a Christian? How can you say you're a follower of the way? Is it about going to a particular church? Is it about having a picture of a man wearing red and white in your house? First of all, Jesus Christ's clothes in those days was not white. It was brown. Are you understanding? He didn't wear white. The people that painted him as wearing white were prophets, okay? The white represents the spirit, purity. The red represents the flesh. Talks about how he is one with his father. So those paintings are prophetic paintings. They're prophetic pictures. Make sense? So the red and white is not nonsense. And for those on the meditation course, when I get to the time of the point of art, you'll appreciate all these things, okay? Are you understanding? When they paint Jesus Christ with a halo on his head, it's not nonsense. It talks about him having the light of God that is able to see clearly and make the right decisions clearly. That's what a halo means. It means one has revelation. So all those pictures, they have meaning that are meant to be opened up to you through meditation. Okay? But we'll get to all those things much later. Praise the Lord. But the fact that you have a picture of a man wearing white and red on your mobile phone does not mean that you have Christ. Are you understanding? It says here, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. That's the only way a true Christian is known. A true follower of Christ is known by the keeping of his commandments. Have you understanding? I mean, they say saints in the Catholic Church have halos too. Of course. Because Christ is the firstborn among what? Christ is the firstborn among what? Among many brethren. Are we understanding? Christ is the firstborn among many brethren. So it should be expected that those who follow him will be like him. Jesus Christ said, no, no, no disciple is above the master. But when a disciple is fully grown, he will be like his master, which is the goal to be exactly like our master, who is Christ Jesus. Make sense? He has never been about religion. Like I, I know this so much for a fact. I actually know this for a fact. Like, I really know this for a fact because some of the most powerful teachers I've met were not even part of the Christian religion. And their teachers have changed my life. One billion percent. One billion percent. 
and you need to hear it when they teach about Christ. You, you will be weak, actually. Maybe one day I will look for one and I'll pray for you to hear someone talking about Christ in a way you've never heard before. You wonder, you say you're confused. Why don't you unmute your microphone? Okay, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. You no, know, for me, it's just... Okay, so I was listening... Okay, the reason I said I'm confused is this. I was listening to the uh, meditation series on podcasts, and you mm. said one of the ways you can imagine Christ is... Uh, we can um, be mindful when we are praying is to be one with him, connect, and we can use our imagination. So when I'm imagining Christ, really, how I imagine him is... We only need that white or blue. And now you are saying it is brown. So I'm like, okay, so which one should we follow? Then how then should we imagine? Even though I realized that lately, the only thing, the only way I've been able to imagine him is by his hands. And that's the um um the, the place where his hands were the, the nails were driven into his hands, right? So that's how I've been able to imagine him. And then the brown you said, there's a time that I had this um it's not as a body experience. I was I was just worshiping and it was like I saw myself seated at at the throne of God and the only thing I could see was his feet. And funny enough, it was brown. So I'm I'm kind of all confused and I just need plenty clarity. So I know that you know, while I'm imagining things, I'm still in line, or when I'm seeing things, it's not something that some spirits are selling to me, you know. I just want to be, I just want to. Be. No, Let me tell you your problem. Let me tell you your one day. Eh? You went to go and jump Please to God. Do. I was only going to teach on imagination. You just want to you want to carry, learn it first before the. Eh? You wait. I'll teach okay. on imagination. <laughs> eh? Okay. You want okay. to? You went to go and jump. Okay. Gonna your jumping gun has confused you. <laughs> okay. Thank you, sir. But to explain, huh? Christ wearing white and red is a symbol. Okay, it's a symbol of his purity and a symbol of his unity with the father all right is a symbol of something spiritual historically speaking he didn't wear white he wore brown but even historically speaking when he wore brown spiritually his garment was still white does it make sense does it make sense so people who painted him as wearing white they were still correct because spiritually he wore a white garment what does white garment mean Question for us. It means purity. So when you picture him in white, you're not picturing him in white, you're picturing the purity of Christ. Does it make sense? Make sense? So those symbols point to spiritual realities because Christ is spirit. All right? Even the stigmata in the hand, it still points to his sacrifice. Make sense? That's the point of the hole in the hand. It reminds you that, like I, like I said, I'm going to teach all these things. I can't really exhaust it here because of time. Hmm? I'll teach all these things in the coming weeks. Okay? But when it comes to meditation with the imagination, let me not talk about that now. That's a different, that's a big, big, um, you know, a big whatever. So when we get there, we get there, okay? Okay? 
it is well with our souls. Tulu, what's your question? Thank you so much, Sas. Um, so my question is the lady that I, the, that I read the scripture, I didn't quite the scripture though, um, before the last lady that spoke, she, she mentioned um, our spirit is going to be a witness, you know, or how did she even say it? I can't know. I know I hear it a lot in church, so I wanted to ask that how, you know, how do I know or, or what does it really mean when, um, you know, um, I hear people say it or even when I sit in the scripture that, you know, um, my spirit is going to be a witness which is um, which is the spirit and then my second question is um, about this intimacy like uh, how uh, I I know um, I've learned today about them um, taking it one step at a time you know by living in obedience you know moment by by moment but you know in the place of intimacy how do I um how do I begin the journey? Because I know obedience is, you know, me saying yes, yielding to the promptings, what I have studied in the scripture, just like some of the commandments lady mentioned now. But you know, when it comes to um, you know, you know, in in the place of prayer and other areas such that, you know, these fruits, you know, um these fruits begin to show, especially when you are surrounded with people who have been in ministry for so long and so full of the scripture but the fruits is i you know sometimes when you stay in an environment for so long you start having this mindset that ah, if this person knows scripture loves god is dedicated like this and you know god can overlook this thing maybe i'm maybe i'm doing so much you know so how do i get to help you get what i'm trying to say without me having to say so many things at the same time so, so, so there's your second question let's make it one sentence please so i can Okay, so I'm saying, so how do I, how do I begin, you know, like, okay, I've made up my mind now that, okay, this intimacy is what I want um, to experience, not um, the works of, um, I want to win souls, I want to, you know, all those things that you can count, not that I'm saying it's yes, bad, but yes. I know that from the place of intimacy, this thing just comes naturally without you being overwhelmed or feeling fearful yes. of saying, so how do I begin you know this journey by me not feeling like I am, yeah, I am failing God or I am lagging behind. How do I, you know, begin like from this moment after this class now? What do I, for example, you, you gave us um, a model. So I'm talking too much. I'm just trying to get you to get the of where I'm coming from. But the model you sent, um, the first model you sent in the uh, meditation school, you know, you gave us some assignments. So those, those are the kind of um, like guard drills for me, things to um, look out for when I'm processing things, you know, I start asking myself questions like, okay, is it that I'm wanting this person to do things if I want to do it or and then I already know what response to give to it. So in this journey of intimacy now, how do I say, okay, yes, um, I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit. How do I begin? That's my question. Okay. So for example, those assignments that we're giving are more for your own self-awareness, right? It's not necessarily about God awareness. It's more of your awareness. Right, because in working with God, if you're not aware of yourself and your need for a physician, you can't value a physician. Did, did, did we all get that? Yes, sir. If you don't know you're proud, when God is humbling you, you think that this shouldn't be happening to you. <laughs> Makes sense? Because when you're aware of yourself, then God's dealings don't surprise you anymore. Right? And when they come, you don't 
you don't um, reject them, right? But in growing intimacy, I mean, it's, it's not a very straightforward, you know, there's no straightforward answer to it per se, per se, but we can, I can only tell you things that can help to foster intimacy, right? One, hanging around godly company. Let me tell you why hanging around godly company can foster intimacy, especially a godly company that is that are growing in intimacy with God. It forms desire in your heart. You can't enter a relationship with someone if you don't desire them. Does it make sense? Yes, sir. Without desire, you can't want to be in a relationship with anybody. And one thing that stokes desire is when you find people who are, you know, doing this, right? It, it makes you want it. If you hang around people who, you know, are making big money in business, you start to desire it, true or false. And that desire then produces the, the chase for money, isn't it so? Isn't it so? I'm asking you. I'm asking you, Tulu. Yes, it is. Sorry, I had to mute. So I don't disturb the flow. Okay, no yes, problem. Yes, it is. Desire produces the chase, right? The right, chase sir. leads to intimacy. Intimacy leads to the fruit. So, first of all, hang around with people who are chasing God. This will make you to want to hang up. How many of us here from even hear me just talk? Want to go and read your Bible and know it by yourselves. How many of us had that feeling? Me. Right? Because being Ew. around company that studies the Bible, naturally we are waking desire for God's word in your heart. This will lead you to go and read your Bible to try and understand. And in doing so, you start to get a bit of what God's heart is about. Right? You start to get convicted about certain things. Are you, are you paying attention? Yes, then, I am. It now comes to a point where you are not given some certain prescriptions that you can carry out that can open your receptivity to the Holy Spirit. Study, prayer, worship, things of the like, even though we'll get a bit more detailed, especially when it comes to prayer, right? That open yes, your soul to be able to receive God more. That's how intimacy starts to happen. When you are hearing God, you people are having that rapport and the fruit starts to come out. It's not, it's not something that one can just say, right? But I can tell you certain things that can lead to intimacy. One, good company, always. Saul hung around the, the students of Prophet Samuel. Just in a moment, he started to prophesy. Are you understanding? That's the yes, first of all, good company. Good company needs you to begin to hunger for that particular thing. It leads you to begin to hunger. When you hunger, you begin to, to search. And in searching, you then find. Are you understanding? Yes, sir. And in finding, you know, everything else is, it, it's, is a consequence of that. So I'll say this, hunger on the place that gives you desire. As desire comes, begin to seek. That's all you need to do. The remaining is for God. You okay. Yes, because it's not when you seek God, you end up realizing that your the beginning of you seeking God was the moment you started to recognize that He's been seeking you. Because God mm. is the one that actually seeks. The moment you start seeking is when, for the first time, you are hearing Him. 
then you start seeking him in return. And in seeking him, you will discover that you are the one that is actually being sought after. Hmm. So all you need to do is seek. As you seek, leave the rest to God. All you need to do is seek. The rest will happen. Amen? All right. God bless you, Tolu. Amen. Thanks. Tim Lane. Good morning, Rabbi. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm currently having a confusion around uh, the Muslim religion and Jesus Christ, as we were discussing earlier. So, um, in Christianity, I understand that um, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes through the Father except through Him. And um, He's is our high priest, our advocate, leading us into the adoption into God's kingdom, right? Yes. Um, at my current level, yeah, which makes him like the principal, I mean, the center of everything in Christianity, right? But in my current understanding of the Muslim religion, they don't really see him as the center of assessing God, right? I'm not here talking about religion. Are you understanding me? Yes, he's talking about religion. I'm not talking about religion. Guys, are you are you do you guys understand what I'm saying? Do you understand my response to him? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about Islam. I'm not even talking about Christianity. Because Christ is not the center of Christianity, Christ is the center of all creation. The question is, what is Christ? Yeah. Are you understanding? Because even in Christianity, many yeah. people don't know Christ. So it is not religious conversation. And you understand? So I'm not talking about and Islam. There's a difference between Christ and okay. yes, sir. You understand? So I'm not talking about Islam or Christianity. Once you get there, it takes us where I'm actually trying to work out from. So I'm not here defending Islam or speaking for Islam. I'm not here defending Christianity. You, you, you get my point? I'm speak for Christ. So do you want to update your question or do you feel like the question okay. does not apply? Okay. Okay. I think the question is in Islam, oh, I think they are religion. So I think the question that is in my mind is something around is it that most Muslims are able to assess Christ without really focusing on Jesus Christ. Stop saying Muslim. That's where you lock, you lock yourself. Because Muslim, who gave it Muslim? Hmm? When we read the genealogy of the Bible, of the genealogy of Jesus, have you read it before? Huh? Have you read the genealogy before? Actually, let, let me open... Let me open that genealogy. You're going to read with me, okay? Yes, sir. Hmm? No, I get his conflict. His conflict is legitimate. That's why I'm, right, I'm making sure that I, I walk through, you know, because his conflict is not just his conflict. There are many here who have the same question that he has. And that's why I like questions because one person always represents a multitude, right? So, Timothy, let's open to Luke chapter 3. Hmm? 
Luke chapter 3, verses um, start from start from 23, read from 23 to let's say 24, then we'll just fast forward because it's very long. Okay. Luke chapter 3, verse 23. When he began yes. his ministry, Jesus himself was about 30 years of age, being as was supposed the son of Joseph, the son of Eli, the son of Matat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jania, the son of Joseph, the son of Matthias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Eshi, the son of Nagai, okay, let's pause the there, son of... Because it's a whole genealogy, so okay, so let's just fast forward. Hmm? Yeah. Um, let's fast forward to Verses 38. 38. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. So at the root of the genealogy of mankind, who do you find? God. God. Adam, who is the father of all humanity, who is his father? God. So what does that make God to every human being? Father of all Alright, let's open the scripture. Let's open Psalm 145, verse 18. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is yes, near please. to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Read it again with emphasis. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him with, in truth. The Lord is near to who? To Jews? Nope. To Christians? To everybody. To all to everybody. who call on him in truth. Are you understanding? Yes, sir. I have another half of this teaching. Should I give it tomorrow or should I give it today? People of God. There's another half of this teaching. Should I give it tomorrow or should I give it today? Majority is saying tomorrow. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. Okay, we'll do it tomorrow. I'll give the other half tomorrow. Hmm? I'll give the other half tomorrow. Okay, I'll give the other half tomorrow. All right. He says the Lord is close, and that half I'll give tomorrow will answer a lot of our questions. Right? The Lord is close to who, Timlei? For all who call on Him in truth. To all who call on him in truth. Not Jews, not Christians, not Buddhists. Because you see in the Bible, let's open the scripture. Let's open the scripture. 
in the book of Genesis, chapter 20. Genesis chapter 20, verses... Verses. Let's read from one to three, yeah? Okay. Now Abraham journeyed from there towards Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he lived temporarily in Gerar. Abraham said of Sarah's wife, She's my sister. So Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent the who? The who? Sarah. Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent okay. and took Sarah. Okay. Now read verse 3. But God came to Abimelech in a dream during the night and said, Who, Behold, who, who came? Who? Who? God came to Abimelech. Was Abimelech a Christian? No, he wasn't. Was he? Was did he believe in God? Um, no. How come God, God could talk him. to him? Because God is the God of all living beings. The Bible says He's a God of all the spirits of all flesh. He's a Father of all spirits. There's no body yeah. that can hear God. No body. You know, religious religion just locks a lot of things and just you know, you know, nonsense. A lot of nonsense, to be honest, that that is very popular today. You know, a lot of nonsense that is very popular today. You know, that oh, okay, you must first someone they must have baptized you. It's nonsense, actually. It's actually nonsense. Someone must have baptized you, lay hands on you. This is actually nonsense. Well, let me not speak that aggressively. God can speak to anybody. Will He connect you? To people who he has raised, yes, God will always connect you to company. That's the way it is. Always. Always. But God is not found outside. God is always found inside. Are you understanding? It doesn't matter what race you're from. It doesn't matter what religion you're from, what tribe you're from. All those things are constructions of men. And tomorrow I'll talk more about constructions of men in relationship to religion. And I'm sure it'll give, us, it'll give a lot of us light. Are you understanding? Yes, sir. So forget Muslim man. Okay, remove Muslim. Look at a man. Can a man hear God who created him? Question for you. Yes. Can a man choose to follow that God who created him? Yes. Period. Now, that God who created him, was that God speak in the same form he spoke to another person? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, no. one essence, many expressions. Indeed. One spirit, one character, one nature, but many expressions. The character never changes. The nature never changes. But the expression can change. Today, God will express and tell you, whisper. Tomorrow, he will say, shout. It's the same God. And he's still trying to achieve the same end. So, Islam is not the solution. Are you getting my point? Yes, sir. Neither is Islam the problem. Did you get that? 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Christianity is not a solution. Neither is Christianity what? Problem. Now let's discover what the problem is. Hmm? Do you want to hear what the problem is? Yes, Guys, sir. are you all paying attention? This is serious, you know, stuff. It's going on here. Are you, are you all paying attention? Are you all learning? Now let's discover what the problem is. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 19. Galatians 5, 19. Now the practices of the now sinful the nature. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. They are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, irresponsibility, lack of control, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, strife, jealousy, bits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like this. I warn you beforehand, just as I did previously that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Did you hear that? So what happens if you are a quote-unquote born-again Christian and you're practicing these things? What happens to you? Sin and the person who... No, no, he said, he, he said, yes, you will inherit the kingdom of God. Because it's not Christianity that makes you inherit the kingdom of God. It is relationship with God and the fruit of that relationship. So you're a Christian, you're practicing these things, you're a problem in the world. You're a Muslim, you're practicing these things, you're a problem in the world. Now, do you not see in the past when I said that I can comfortably sit down with people of all religions and say the same thing to everybody and are you getting my point? Real apologetics yes. is not the defense of a religion, it's defense of truth. Jesus was an embodiment of truth in his time. That's why Paul defended him, because he was an embodiment of it. True apologetics is defense of truth. Right? Outburst of wrath. That is not true. If everyone lived like that, the world would be destroyed. So that kind of doctrine can't be true. And you have to argue and show why this is not true. Sexual immorality, you have to argue and show why this is not true. You study history where there has been polygamy, where there has been sexual immorality, there have been wars. There's so much evidence to show why all these things don't profit humanity. And it can be argued clearly. I played a recording yesterday. A person who was not a Christian spoke about sexual immorality. Didn't you guys hear that? Have you guys forgotten? Did you guys hear that? Do you remember? He wasn't a Christian by religion. But he spoke about sexual immorality and told us the problem of it. In fact, he even explained it more than Christians even understand. He said, if you always expend all your desires as they come, you, are, you become weak. You don't have any resolve. You don't have any willpower. Most Christians don't know why you should actually not indulge in all your desires. They don't say because the Bible said that man has more understanding of, of God's co commands than Christians do. Because the only reason we do things is because the Bible said that's why in the day of temptation, Right? In the day of temptation, we don't have what to use to defend ourselves. Have you understand it? Because we don't understand why God said. We just know what he said, but we don't understand why. 
And according to the Bible, if you don't understand why, you haven't really hurt him. Because when the Bible talks about obedience, obedience in Hebrew means to hear in God's voice. That is hear in the way God intended you to hear it. So God tells you, apologize to your mother. You need to hear him in his voice. Understand his intention. When you understand God's intention, you go beyond what God said and you enter into, I can see that this is the truth. So therefore, even if you are broke, even if your mother dies, your father dies, your wife dies, your child dies, even if your whole family dies in one day, you will not abandon the statutes of God because you have seen that it is the truth. Is this making sense to us? Because many of us, you only stay to God so long as there's money in your account. Once there's no money, you begin to discredit the commands of God, then you haven't understood it. Because the idea that we think we're doing God a favor when we obey him is one of the biggest deceptions of religion. Are you all hearing this? Timele, do you hear that? Yes. So following Christ is about following his commandments, his teachings. And it gets deeper than what I'm saying now. Because just following commandments is still external. I hope you know. You do not yet, you don't yet know Christ in you. Oh, there's a difference now. Are you understanding? There's yes. a difference. So all I'm saying is this surface. It gets deeper than that because everyone has to have their personal relationship with God. Where he tells you, Timulay, I don't want you to wear these yellow shirts today. And you have to believe him and listen to him. I don't want you to write this message to this person today. Bible can't tell you. Can Bible tell you that? No. Question for us, can Bible tell you that? It can't. Bible gives what you call general prescription. General prescription only guides you to where you get the only prescription that can save you. So Bible can't save you. You must know the spirit. So what this was he talking about was never reach the real thing, which is the spirit. Only the spirit can save. It doesn't matter how well you know the Bible or even practice what is written in the Bible. The practice is only but a guide to get you close to the relationship. Because if already you have been practicing what scripture says, by the time you get to relationship and God starts to talk to you directly, it won't be that hard because you've already been practicing his ways. Have you understand it? But until you hear the voice of the Son of God in your heart and hearken unto it, you can never find God. So you can read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all you want. Unless you hear the voice of God that is inside of you, there is no salvation for your soul. And that's the truth that many people don't realize. Because even we will say salvation, but have we even asked, what are we being saved from? And what are we being saved for? Because you say you are saved, you are free, but you are still lying. You are still in bondage. Are you understanding? Yes. I've told us before we share some stuff, especially external stuff. You want to take permission, okay? Because hmm? as I'm talking, there are boundaries that I have that you might not know. Hmm? I'm not as, as fluid or flexible as you think. 
So be careful with the kind of things that you post, okay? No problem. All is well. We're all learning. Oh, so Thank far, so you, good. Sir. Are we all able to? Are, we, are you? Are you? Are you clear, Tim Lai? Yes. So, is it about a Muslim? Can a Muslim hear God? Can a man hear God? Yes. The Bible says God is close to all those who call upon Him in truth. No, if he, it must take time, and that's very well, right? Because Christ didn't bring a religion. And tomorrow, when I talk further, it will become a bit clearer. Hmm? So, if your hand is raised, what's your question? Um, sorry, mine is, is not related to what you're currently talking about. But the mm. earlier on, no, we're talking about um, um, the intercourse. I just wanted clarity on a, a, a picture of what it really means for a heart to be fertile. You know, is it a heart that is ready to receive the uh, the word of God? Um, I just want to be clear on that. Like, what does a fertile heart, the soil of a fertile, a heart that is fertile, what, what is that exactly? Is it hunger or just you're ready to receive? Okay, let's open the book of Psalms, chapter 95. Psalm 95. Hmm? Are you there, Ify? No, we're reading together, Ify. Okay, one second, please. Psalm 95. No, it's not good enough. Okay, what verse? Read verse 7 into verse 8. And verse 8, read the beginning of verse 8 very slowly and emphatically. Okay, 7 into 8. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's pause there. As we in answer, the answer your question now. Okay. The heart that is not hardened or resistant to hearing. Yes. That's a fertile ground. And what hardens the heart, if I might ask you? It's uh, it's our it's sin. Our, our it's sin. carnal desires, desires. Indeed, our, our desires are contrary to God. That's what makes the heart hard. Yes. The heart hard. God says, forgive this person, but you really <laughs> desire that everything goes wrong with them. You can't. Yeah. So your heart is hard. And because your heart is, your heart is hard, his word can't enter you. You, you see what he said there? He said, today, if you will enter. hear his voice, that voice mm. wants to enter you. But your heart is, your heart is hard, so it can't enter. Mm -hmm. It's stone. It's a heart of stone. Flesh, the word can enter. Stone, mm. it can't enter. That's what it means to have mm. a heart that is not fertile. 
So this explains why, why, for instance, me, I keep failing at something because in you know, moment by moment, like you, the example you gave was very apt. You know, so somebody can, you know, have done something that you know offended me or hurt me, and sometimes in that moment, I hear God just say, "Let it go," and I'm like, I literally feel like I cannot let it go. You know, so in that moment, I have, I've hardened. It's, it's become a stone. Okay. Yes, and I'll tell you why. And I'm going to teach this in the meditation. You can't let it go because you haven't understood the situation. You haven't even comprehended your own self. That's why you can't let it go because mm. there's no comprehension. You don't understand. Because if you did, you'd, you, you'd be dismantled. You understand? Mm. A baby can scratch your face and blood will come out. True or false? True. Why, why aren't you beating the child and being angry with the child? Yeah. Because of comprehension. First of all, you comprehend that your feeling yeah. has wrongly labeled the action of the child. I have comprehended that the child yeah. didn't know any better. So comprehension makes it easy for you to let go of things. That is true comprehension. The problem is we haven't comprehended some things in our lives yet. But we also comprehended our own selves. Why were we so tight about this? So there's no comprehension. Exactly. You know? And we also forget that by strength alone, man cannot prevail. If God tells you something, he's not just telling you, he's imparting you. But you can never know that impartation unless you put it to practice. Yeah. You understand? God says, let this person go. You can yeah. practice it by doing things that your flesh doesn't want to do. It can be as small as a call or a gift or a hug or words of encouragement. You understand? It could be so many different things. Oh. All those things, when you do it for them, yeah, we say pray, but praying is everybody prays. Well, I'm not talking about prayer. I leave prayer. Prayer is a list of it. Yeah, everybody well, wants we've to... been praying since, and nothing has changed, at least for me. Mm. So, this is not the... forget about changing the person. That's not your job. You can't change anybody. The sooner mm. we realize that they're better for us, all you can do is create a great influence for them to change. Ultimately, they have to make the choice. You can't change anyone. Are you understanding? So forget about changing anybody. It's a waste of time. If you are praying, you are praying to release potential energy in the atmosphere that in the day they might make the mistake I want to change their ways. All those your prayers that have been domiciled in the heavens will hit them and they will not be able to turn around. That's what prayer does in case you don't know. Is it making sense? So you have stories of children who went astray. Yes, it is. One day some accident will happen Every prayer that mother has prayed, it will hit them in that moment and it will give them strength to go back to the Lord. So no prayer is wasted. It's potential energy in spirit. The day is needed, it will draw down and that person will use it. But until that day, nothing can happen. It has to be them. So your job is to pray. And your job is to act in accordance to your prayer. You can't pray for someone to be well and you are, you are poisoning them. You're not there. Your prayer is fake. Honestly. It's a fake prayer. Prayer is supplication and action. So you pray for your friendship to be better. Start to do things that can make the friendship better. 
then your action becomes a prophecy because it channels the life of God. It will begin to heal that place in a much more quicker way. But still, it is not who sows or who waters, but God that gives the increase. So it's not your job. Your job is your own self. God is working on that person, but he's using his work on that person to work on you. So God says, let go. He has also, also given the strength to let go. Now, begin to carry out those actions that someone who has let go will carry out. And help God to help you see why this is good. And he will show you. Your father is wicked. The day you give him bread to eat and he's happy, that shows something. Ah, let me have life. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Is it making yeah. sense? So in that moment you give him bread to eat, and you see the joy on his face and gratitude, in that moment, forget about the devil he is before them, in that moment, it means something. Even if he doesn't tell you thank you, even if he doesn't show you gratitude, you can see that he's blessed and he's happy to have food. For you, that's, that's something that God wants you to look at. And this is how we start to change. You understand? So that will be my response. Thank you. You're welcome. He's Jaja. Okay, good morning, sir. Good morning, good morning everybody. Um, so my question is partly answered, but I still want to ask anyways. When you're talking right. to, um, okay, it's it's not religion per se, but salvation. You said you mm. you you listen to people that are not Christians, and I believe that Christianity. I mean, in the old. In time, in time of Paul and the likes, Christianity was just coined out of Christ because they were following Christ. So, aside yes. religion aside, religion aside, um, Christi- Christianity means follower of Christ. So, yes. but um, um, salvation and like the salvific grace is also a, I believe from what I've studied so far, that salvation is a strong um um parts of coming into a relationship with christ and coming into a relationship with god so when you talked about um god is the god of all flesh god is um god to all yes i i, I my question now is does that where, do, where where does that leave salvation if your question is fantastic god is where does that leave salvation okay yes okay that's, that's a question. Let's talk. Let's talk. Okay, sir. I like to talk to people. I'm sure you can see that by now because we learn more of in conversations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, let me ask you this question. Remember, we talked about. Um... Okay. You know, we talked about how spirits speak. When they speak, you bear fruit, etc., etc., right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So, let's say the spirit of loss speaks to you. Hmm? Mm-hmm. And he says, go and kiss that boy. If he just speaks to you, are you have you entered into bondage to the spirit of lust? 
No. When do you enter bondage to the spirit of lust? When you carry out the act. Indeed, when you obey, right? Okay, now, yes. that, that obedience is called what? That act of performing what the spirit said, what will you call that? Um, someone allegiance? I don't know. Uh, no, so you know when we said when you, an intimacy happens between you and the spirit, the product is what? Uh, it's fruit. You bear the intercourse. Fruit. Uh-huh. So what makes you enter bondage to a spirit? Mm. I don't quite understand the question. So, the spirit of lust, I asked you, I said, mm-hmm. do you enter bondage when it speaks to you or when you obey it? Can you hear me now? My network tripped a little bit. Okay, okay. Yeah, I can hear you now. I said, when do you, when do you enter bondage to a spirit? Is it when it speaks to you or when you bear fruit for the spirit? When you bear fruit for the spirit. Right? Because if action is the what? Sorry, you said? The action in obedience to the spirit is what? Is intercourse. Yes, but the action is... The, no, the action is... The, Product of intercourse, right? Okay, product of intercourse. So let me put it like this. Obedience, action, fruit are all the same thing. Does that make sense now? Right. Obedience, fruit, action, all these things are fruit. All right, Christ said, but they are fruit, you shall know Mm -hmm. them. And those fruit is the character they manifest, isn't it so? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? So, if salvation is the deliverance from that bondage. How are you saved? By breaking free from, by obeying Christ in place of the spirit or breaking free from that intercourse. Let me open a scripture for you. Okay. Hmm? Let's read. Um... All right. All right. Let's read Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Okay. Romans 8, 13. It says, for if you live... Actually, let's read Galatians 5, verse 16. According to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put... It says, I say that walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Say that again. I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not what? Fulfill the lust of the flesh. So what delivers us from the lusts of the flesh? 
walking in the spirit. Are you understanding? So let me ask you a question. When you, the word salvation, what does it mean to you? Forget about Christianity. In a general sense, what does it, what does salvation mean to you? When you hear a person has been saved. Um, simple desires and no, no, forget about Christianity. Mm. Like when you hear a person was saved, what does it mean to you? Eh? What did he say? Oh, you're cracking a little bit. Okay, someone in the chat says to be rescued. Do you agree with that piece? That to be saved is to be rescued. Are you able to speak, peace? Um, um, yes. Sorry? Yeah. Indeed. Someone says to be rescued. Someone says freedom. Someone says liberation. I don't know if peace is still here. I think she's left the room. Peace, are you still here? Okay, I think I never kicked her out. Okay. Okay, let's continue the conversation. I know she's going to come back. But someone says rescued. Someone says, okay, she's back. Okay. Peace, are you back? Are you back, Peace? Yes, I am, sir. Uh huh. So salvation means what? To be saved, what does it mean? Someone said to be rescued. Do you agree with that? Yes, I do. But it also so means to have eternal life. No, forget about Christianity. Okay. Eternal life is Christianity. Oh my God. Okay. No, I said the word save and salvation. Forget about Christianity. The word save existed before Christianity. True or false? Well, sir, from the background we laid, which was the fact that Christianity, religion aside, the reason why Christianity is called Christianity is because they're followers of Christ, not because they're designated. I mean, listen, I relax, know. relax. You're not in danger, okay? Relax. Mm -hmm. Are you understanding? When yes, the Bible talks about pearl of the kingdom, the pearl exists before Jesus Christ taught that or not? Yes, yes, it did. Don't you need to understand what a pearl is before you can understand that message? Yes. What's a pearl? Something that's valuable, isn't it? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So, the word save, did it exist before Christianity? Yes, it did. So, in a general sense, what does it mean to be saved from something? What does it mean to be saved, better said? Being rescued. Yes. Um, so when, huh? Yeah, yeah. Being rescued, you right? Process it in my yes. Because you can't talk about being saved if you don't talk about what you're being saved from. True or false? True. So the problem with Christianity today is that we talk about salvation, but we don't ask what am I being saved from? Are you saved from Islam? Are you saved from Buddhism? Are you even safe from your mother's house? Are those things the problem? What puts you in bondage, peace? The flesh. 
the flesh. How do you feel when you blow up and you shout at somebody and then you hurt them and then how do you feel afterwards? Unhappy. Unhappy. Because something use your mouth to, to, to talk. Something use your hands to act. In that instance, can you say that you are free? Huh? That, no, be can I say I'm free by the um okay. Um, Forget about them and claim. Just answer my question very straightforward. Understand? Okay. In that moment where spirit, the spirit of anger spoke to you and you responded to the anger, are you free? No, I'm no. Not. No, don't don't I need you to speak confidently. Because Jesus Christ spoke to the Pharisees and said to them, Whoever sins is a slave to sin. Right? Because they believed because they were part of a race that they were automatically delivered. They thought deliverance was an outward thing, not an inward thing. If I'm lying, I'm still a slave to the spirit of deception. Are you understanding Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Let's open the book of Romans chapter... Romans chapter 5 or 4. No, 5. Okay. Hello. So Romans chapter five. Sorry, Romans chapter six. Sorry, six. Romans chapter six. Okay, six. Romans 6, verse 16. 16. Read Do it from the that. Okay. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you have that one slave whom you obey, that one's slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or... Hello? Hello, sir. Can you hear me now? So my dad was tripping. So Romans chapter 6, verse 16, you read it, right? Yes, should I read it again? I know, I heard you. So it says, do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one slave who you obey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, if I obey anger, whose slave am I? Anger's slave? Sure. Isn't that what that scripture says? Mm-hmm. If I say that Christ is my Lord, but I obey anger, whose slave am I? Anger's slave. Okay, let's open that scripture. Okay? Let's open Luke chapter 6, verse 46. <clears throat> okay um but do you not know do you not but do why do you call me lord lord and do not do the things which i say do you hear that he said why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say 
Can there be lordship of Christ without obedience to Christ? No. If I can there be lordship without obedience, can someone be your lord if you don't obey them? No. If you say Christ is your lord, but you obey anger, who is your lord? Anger. Who are you in bondage to? Anger. Do you understand? So, if Christ appears, who does Christ save you from? Anger. Indeed. So, we are saved from something. Anger is like Pharaoh that has locked us in his country, forcing us to build his house. Does it make sense? Yes, it does. But Christ then appears. Okay, tell me, tell me. I'm listening to you. Uh, yeah. Um, so, the practicality of working in salvation, I understand that. But like... No, 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 no. Salvation does not uh, even start unless there's obedience. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the um, obedience to... Like, you, you step into salvation, you believe that, that you're in Christ. Like, I, what I want to know... No, 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 what, no, 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 no. You, you don't understand. There is no okay. belief without obedience. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whomsoever believeth in him. There is no believing in him without obedience. So we can't even talk about salvation, faith in Christ, when there is no obedience. Because obedience itself is faith. Is it making sense? Very much. So when there is no obedience to Christ, salvation has not even started. Because you are saved from something. So, in the case where someone declares, you know how when you're in church, they're like, I'm not trying to be religious, but I'm just doing an instance. Of course. Because um, that has been a part of my life growing up. So, in the case where they call, um, they do the altar call and you give, like you make the declarations of, oh, do you believe in Christ and all of that stuff, it doesn't fully take effect until you walk in the obedience of what it means to believe in Christ or of course, of course you give it to a baby salvation you give it to a baby can that baby run immediately mm-hmm. no they have to no, grow up into can't. that so you take the altar call the altar call is you beginning a journey so that's very good. but that journey is going to be very long Mm-hmm. Because 20 years, you're still going to be dealing with anger, at of least. Course. I mean, you hopefully, in 20 years, you're not dealing with the same anger you were dealing with 20 years ago, okay? It should be a deeper anger that you're dealing of with in 20 But if you're dealing with anger of 20 years ago, you have not grown. That's what you call kwashoko spirituality. Are you understanding me? Okay. I am, I am. So, right? um, so altar call, yes. this altar call, Water call is simply telling you to begin something. Mm-hmm. But I think you begin to take you the next 50 years. Because salvation is a journey. It's not a one-off thing. Mm-hmm. That's why the Bible says you are saved, you are being saved, and you shall be saved. Mm-hmm. Is it making sense? Yes. Um, so, now, I think... Um, my question in tell me please 
because you said something about my question now because it feels like okay that particular question has not been answered yet so mm. i know um we're not talking about religion so i have to um, reiterate that but like if the process of getting this um, the process of going for another call is the beginning of a journey mm. does that not mean that everybody has to do that religion or not so in a so, case where you're not in a church setting okay sorry in a on, case where you're not in a church setting right mm. like it's like a muslim for example or a buddhist yeah buddhist you are not um in the church setting where you are doing an altar call to start your journey of walking with christ but you have knowledge of christ does that make you a follower of christ because you can have deep knowledge and um and um, obey but do you not need to to i think i think i get my i think i'm getting my answer so let do me you not need to uh all right sorry i, know, I, hope, call. I hope i'm making sense because listen peace i'm very happy with you okay i want you to express all that is of concern is so important so that we can talk about it and we can have understanding okay so don't feel anything it's very fine you can even disagree it's no problem are you understanding my point so that's why i'm talking with you okay mm-hmm. question altar call is the point the altar call or is the point what you're being called to the point is what you're being called to give me examples of what you're being called to to um, obey Christ, see him as the one true God, walk. No, define that obey, obey Christ because people obeyed Christ and they killed 600,000 people in Europe. Quote unquote. Okay. So define that obey Christ for me, please. Okay, what are you um, called to? You are called to walk by the Spirit. I need you to and... define it because people say they walk by the Spirit but they still sleep with their church members define work by the spirit we need to always define those things that's the issue with the church we don't define anything okay, we say i'm following okay, christ but we don't um, define it don't worry i'm 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 you're okay don't worry <laughs> now i'm walking in the spirit which is okay okay hmm? so yeah so you don't if you if you obey christ you don't fornicate you don't commit adultery you don't um so um you don't um lie you're not greedy like indeed because all those things are bondages no Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so you're being called to a life of purity a life of honesty a life of love a life of everything that christ represents that's what you're being called to so if you're in my living room and i call you to that is that not an altar call Yes, it is. So it's not about whether I call you on the pulpit. Because Jesus Christ called many people. There was no pulpit. True or false? There wasn't pulpit. Are you understanding? So the problem is not where where you where they call you or how they call you, is what you're being called to. And what you're being called out from. Because that concept call. It's gotten from the book of Exodus when God called the children of Israel out of Egypt. And Egypt represents the carnal nature. Are you understanding? 
that is like a king that forces you to do what it was. That is what you're being called from. So you've been a person who has been a chronic liar. I say, come. I'm not calling you to walk physically. I'm calling you to walk out of that place spiritually. True or false? True. If you come to me physically, but you are still a liar on the inside, have you answered the call? No. No. Are you understanding? But so the question... Said you, go on. You, okay. You said um, when the call begins, it's a journey. So yes. I thought you don't just completely do away with all that you are... You like. I mean, you're free. You're free. You're free from the the bondage but you don't because of how much it's like withdrawal symptoms if i can use that as no no you're not you're not yet free you're on the journey to freedom okay so even while you struggle and okay okay so let's be real okay if you're you say a christian but you go and masturbate you're not free now do you understand you're not free at least not your actions show who you're bound to i need us as christians to be real if I go to masturbate, can I see that I'm free from masturbation? No. No. Because the fruit reveals who I am bound to. Okay? Being bound to Christ, being bound to Christ expresses itself as us having self-control. If I don't have self-control, it shows that I'm bound to something else. Yes, Christ is my true lover, but in that, for the fact that I'm expressing this shows that I have another lover that I'm in a relationship with, that I'm in bondage to, that I need deliverance from, whether or not I'm part of a religion or not. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can never be saved from that thing until I hear Christ and obey what he has said. So it's not just the call. And the call is not even what a man of God says. The man of God simply stimulates what the Holy Spirit will do. You have to hear the voice of God. If you don't hear the voice of God telling you, peace, don't lie, and obeying that voice, you can't be free from deception. Mm -hmm. So this is what salvation is. Okay, so my other question. Okay, I think I get this point now. It took me a minute, but I I get exactly what you're saying. So the other question, which is like a part two of it, is preaching the gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. if I'm going to relate the same message to someone that is not a believer, mm. how do I relate it without sounding religious? Or because at the end of the day, one of the major things you're faced with religion religion is such a barrier because a lot of people are like oh i'm i'm not christian or i don't know what you christian people are doing or some people are like i'm a good person i don't i don't need to be part of anything to know that oh yeah i'm one with god or some people don't just particularly believe that jesus died on the cross this so they're like different categories so in the case where I'm not trying to go and give a exciting message or a you are dangerous if you all kind of message, how do you bring forth to the table that okay, this Christ died for your sins and 
is trying to save you from this because some people are like i don't need saving like we discussed yesterday about the gospel being darkness to people because they believe they're in the light so yeah so how do i present or let me tell you the problem with christianity and the gospel we're preaching today okay we preach salvation as though you are saved because you joined my religion whereas my marriage and salvation is me not slapping my wife anymore my salvation is me not cursing my husband my salvation is me not fornicating and cheating on is it making sense those are the bondages the gospel sets me free from that you understand what i'm saying christ didn't come to to preach moses i should say it again are you listening please yes i am are you listening i'm listening the problem with christianity is that our preaching of the gospel and our preaching of salvation is making you join a religion whereas that's never what salvation has been okay that's never been that's never been what deliverance has been the bondage is the fact that i i slap my wife because of anger that's the bondage you understand it deliverance is temperament where not only do i have self-control but i actually love my wife the way god intended the bondage is when as a woman i always berate my husband i can even be violent too the -hmm. problem is when i don't have control over my genitals and i sleep with anything that comes across my way that's the bondage Mm -hmm. That's what I need deliverance from. Okay. If I don't preach against these things and I don't just come to my church, what what there was a difference in church? We are still doing all the same things. We read Romans that he's saying. Paul said, "What are you? Do you uh, do you preach to yourself?" He said, "You are still lying. You are still stealing. You are still fornicating." Then what are you preaching exactly? Mm-hmm. Because Christ didn't come to preach, come and join Judaism or join Christianity. He said, "Stop lying. Take care of the poor. Mm-hmm. Remember your parents." Mm-hmm. That's the gospel. Mm-hmm. So before you even think of preaching, you want to find out what's the bondage of these people. You go to Las Vegas, you mm-hmm. see people can sell their family to gamble. That's a bondage. Your message has to show them how this cannot help them help their family. How do you understand what I'm saying? How lying destroys mm-hmm. you as a person. How resentment kills you, doesn't let you have a good relationship with anybody. That's the gospel. Mm. Are you understanding? Yes, I am. Don't worry, this message you can't get it in fully in a moment like this. No, I actually do understand. I do. I, I really do. I just I just It's just conflicting it's like, your your indoctrination. I understand that. Not really conflicting. It's like I've known something a a long time, but I'm 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 open to learning and being taught in the right way. So it's like maybe I've not been I'm I'm introspecting and seeing okay where have I been making the flaws where has been the issue here and there and one of the, one of the major things you said is it's not about telling this person come to my church. I mean it's beyond um ch- um church coming to each other's churches or thinking okay my church teach and teach teaches the word better than the other but it's like christ has called you to be free from these things you you hold and so dear to that has an impact it's not like okay because there's this ideology that when you 
maybe um, fornicate, there's fun, you're not restricted, but at the end of the day, you have soul ties and the other ripple effects of these things. So at the end of the day, you might think you are having fun, but you are being wrapped up into something else. So yeah, I think I understand. In, in all, all I'm trying to say is I understand. I understand. I do. It is well with you, peace. Hmm? Amen. Amen. The Lord is on your side. Thank you so much, sir. Hmm? You're welcome. Yes, he is. Thank you. Man. So, we're not set free by joining religion. We're set free by obedience to the Spirit of God. Period. And can joining the church, can joining a religion help? Absolutely. You will catch that. But the point is not the religion. The point is how it can help you as a bridge to get to the place of relationship. Does that make sense? So the point is not to join my church. The point is that in this group, you might, help, you might get help to get into this relationship. And if you get into this relationship and the relationship takes you out of the church, no problem. So long as you are still in relationship, are you understanding? Because relationship brought Jesus Christ out of Judaism, true or false? True or false? But he was still with God, even though he came out of Judaism. Right? He was still with God. So religion is not the problem. And tomorrow I'll teach on that. I just give this today to just dismantle. Tomorrow I'll teach further on religion. And the purpose of religion because religion is important are you understanding i call this beyond religion but i didn't say religion is to be done away with are you guys understanding remember i will always give balance because people are also saying do away with, do away with religion but you have not even fulfilled basic religion what are you talking about you say do away with the church do away with this but you have not fulfilled even this little thing just christ said if you have not if you don't if your righteousness does not exceed the pharisees you won't enter the kingdom of god are you guys understanding? So, before you say do, to hell with the fathers, well, have you fulfilled <laughs> the, the doctrine they brought first of all? Are you blameless according to their doctrine? If you're not, then you have no right to say do away with it because if you have failed there, you also fail in whatever comes after. Are we all understanding? Are we all understanding? Ify, what's your follow-up question? Thank you, Azraka. So, um, you know, just it's just following up from what Peace was saying, um, and just what you just responded to. I, I don't know if you can. Um, so yes, religion is not. I mean, I completely understand the mistake that we have made. Um, but then, you know, I was now trying to understand then how exactly are we supposed to carry out the great commission because i think that's when the error entered into the churches they believe they're executing the great commission in matthew for example when jesus says go forth make disciples of nations baptize them teach them to obey and under the cloak of evangelism or you know i think something got distorted you know which is what you've talked about we were now trying to get people to see it come into our fold our religious fold so I I don't know if it's tomorrow's class where you really put this great commission in proper context. I can give you a, a brief response now before tomorrow. Hmm? So question for you now. 
Are, are you familiar with the Crusaders? Uh, not really. Just, have, you of the, have you heard of what they call the Holy Roman history. Empire? Yes, the, all the key things that took place. Are you aware that but they my, call themselves the Holy Roman Empire? No problem, but I'm just going to just, so we'll just talk about it, right? Do you know they call themselves the Holy Roman Empire because they believe that they were the kingdom of God? Yes. Do you know that their great commission and conquering territory for Christ is what they did by killing different villages? And are okay, you laughing? Yeah. Right. Are you understand? That's, that what, was no, great, that's the great commission to them. That was the great commission, yeah. Great. So can you admit for a moment that it's possible that that great commission could have been misinterpreted? I, that's, that, that's exactly what I'm asking. That it's, I, mean, uh-huh. I know that something is missing somewhere. So he said we should go out and witness, right, to all nations. But the question is, what does it mean to witness? Because Christ said we mm. testify of what we know and what we have seen. That scene he's talking about is the nature of God, the character of God, the mind of God, the power of God. You cannot testify because that testify and witness is from, you know, the Jewish court of law where you come and bear witness to what you have seen. And if you have not seen something and you go and witness, you are a false witness because you don't know what you're talking about. So you're telling those people that you people are actually false witnesses, you're frauds. You're talking about what you don't know, who you have never seen, who you have not encountered. There's a man called Rabbi Allen. Very beautiful man. He spoke about how when he was in Ireland, he went to teach a class. And a man came there, he said he hates religion, he hates this, he hates God, blah, 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 blah. When he finished, Rabbi Allen said, oh, let me follow you to your house. Followed him to his house. He saw a grand piano. They said, oh, you have a grand piano. He now started playing the grand piano and singing Frank Sinatra. That young man that was telling him he hates religion, he hates God, started singing Frank Sinatra along with him. And they laughed. And they ate dinner. And the man cried. Because he had never been in the presence of a father before. He has a dad. Biological dad. But he had never encountered a father. When he encountered the father, he melted. And Rabbi Alan knew that by witnessing the father to him. That's all he did. And in doing oh. that, that, that man was converted. Are you understanding? That was witnessing yeah. right there. We quote scripture too much and we leave scripture too little. Yeah. Hmm. Did someone catch that? We quote scripture yes. too much, but we leave scripture too little. That's why the gospel has been failing. Right. The truth. Yeah. A lot of us are here, 80% of the people here have church hearts. I'm sure you've had church hearts. Oh, yeah. So, but what does that tell you? Did Christ hurt anybody? Eh? Did just Christ sleep with anybody? Did he talk to anybody anyhow? You get my point? No. So we quote scripture a lot, but we don't leave it. There's no witnessing. There's no making of disciples without living. In those days, a disciple learns from your life more than your words. 
In those, that's why you saw that when Jesus Christ appeared, they said, Master, where do you stay? We'll follow you. Because in those days, a disciple follows the master everywhere. They don't just learn from what you teach. They learn from how you react to the world around you. They learn how yeah. you sleep, how you eat, even how you fart. And say, oh, I'm sorry. They learn from that. I'm not kidding. They follow you when you go and toast yeah. your first girlfriend. They see how you talk to the woman. They see how you treat your wife. They see how you handle your business, how you handle someone that owes you money. That's how they disciple people. That's what Christ said we should go and do. Some of us haven't even witnessed mm. to our families. You have a child, you tell your child to go so and lie that you're not home. It's the truth. So why is he witnessing? You say, uh, go and tell them mommy is not at home. What are we talking about? Mm. The great but we're in the evangelism team. Very the evangelism team. How can we say we're evangelists if we're not expressing that one that has sent us? What's the evangelism? <laughs> About putting banner and giving people rice. But after you put that rice, you still go home and still curse your mm. wife, curse your children. What's, what have you evangelized? Mm. Mm. So mm. true evangelism is expressing the life of God onto all creation. That's it. Can he express himself as giving people rice? 100%. But rice is not enough. Can he express himself as quoting yeah. scripture 100%? But quoting scripture is not enough. We have to be that scripture. That even if I don't quote anything, my life has preached all the message it can. Are you understanding? That's what it means. That's the Great Commission. Where we go out and our lives convert people. Do you understand? That's the Great Commission witnessing Christ, where the word becomes flesh, that is how men will turn to the way of the Lord. How are we doing this in our office, in our workplace? Yeah. Can your boss trust you with money? The moment they leave money in one's account, that's the next thing, you, you have issue, you have this, yeah. oh, sorry, this, the, you've lost this. How have you witnessed Christ when there's no integrity? Mm. Does that answer your question? It sure does. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Mr. Finney. Uh, sorry, sir. My, my mic was taking so long to unmute. Um, actually, the, the questions of others have already answered my question. I didn't know how I didn't put my hand. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, that's well. Mama Mary. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for a labor of love. Um, somebody came up and asked a question which led to talking you talking about um, forgiveness, action, when you forgive and uh, there was a lot of talk about prayer and i just wanted to point out that i said yes we pray but yes action must come uh, must join prayer to be effect for prayer to be effective a lot of times God, the Spirit of the Lord will tell you, do like this towards the person. 
But because you're of fear of rejection, and because the mind may not be truly fruitful at that time, not totally aligned with the Spirit of God, you begin to tell yourself, ah, if I go, what if he or she rejects me? What if it creates another wahala? So you keep up from doing that, which the Spirit told your witness to you to do. Now, if the Spirit told you do this, just um, the thing to do is to have faith that God, whose Spirit directed you, is able to back up your actions, is able to possibly would have even prepared the heart of the other person to accepting your action. And from there, the cement of love will take the two of you up and all past whatever will be in the past. So it's that fruitfulness of the mind in response to the spirit that we must uh, um look to 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 having and god who sent sent us will definitely have prepared ground for acceptance and for a new leaf to be turned fear is not of god when he says us, we should not be afraid to do. And usually these things happen. It's flawed. To come out. And if we will be swift to take action. And at any rate, even if you take the action and the person's response is negative, it's not in your hands. It's not, um, that wouldn't be your problem really because you have obeyed the spirit of the Lord. You have done that which he directed, that which is needful. It's recorded for for you as it were <laughs> so you you move on christ came to die for people not everybody accepted his reconciliation action so those who accepted fine and good there are many that have still not accepted it but that didn't phase him out that didn't stop him from doing what he needed to do to win uh us to himself thank you and then the other thing i briefly want to say is that from the questions and answers i can't remember the name of the person particularly but it's clear that there's a lot we must on on we must um undo or um pack i mean take away allow the holy spirit to take away from us there's a lot we have learned in the various denominations we have been we are affiliated to that are 
you know maybe a lot of these things they were not explained to us and so we have gathered christianness we have taken on a lot of things that we didn't know the it's like when they say oh this is our culture this is our culture so people just do those things if you ask them why are you doing what you are doing they can't explain like i was told uh, you do you must do, do this ritual for the dead when my husband died and my people asked them why do you do it what is behind it explain to us and they say ah, we don't remember we don't know all we know is that it must be done same thing christian present day christian culture in quote have led us into many things that we don't know the reason or we have very little idea of the reason they are being done thank god for hga thank god for what we are coming into we are beginning to understand that it's not about our religious enclaves our little little denominations it's not about what we have tied ourselves to it's about the person of christ it's about the it's about relating with god it's not about nomenclatures it's not about the norms it's not about religious babylons let me put out let me throw that out there it's about following christ following god and allowing his spirit which is in us to direct us in our day to day living it's about taking up the character of god in all we do praise god hallelujah 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 Hallelujah, and and yeah, that's I get that's really the summary, you know. It's it's really the summary, and um, yeah, Hallelujah, and God will help us, you know. It's a lot of, it's a lot of unlearning, you know. But if we are patient, a lot of things will become clear. God is lifting the bar. God is not dropping the bar, you know. And more demand is being placed on every single one of us. More demand. And of course, if there's more demand, then God wants to bring more out of us. You know, so so God is doing a new thing. Look at now, our sessions now are averaging six hours now. Something that we normally two hours, three hours. Look at now, six hours. And we know that if we end it now, we're just ending it because man, time has gone. To tell you that God is doing something. I didn't plan to be here six hours for sure i want to be in my bed by 7 30 p.m you understand it but there's obviously something that god is trying to do and we we want to steward it well there's something he wants to do there's a change there's a, there's a, an inworking he wants to carry out inside of every single one of us to bring us into that place he's getting us to and god will help us under the name of the lord jesus christ amen Amen. So tomorrow we'll continue. You know, it's not a religious conversation. So I'm not speaking for any other religion. So if you think I'm trying to convert you to another religion, no, that's not what I'm doing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm converting us to the truth. What has always been true, what will always be true. Christ came to bring the truth. 
and he said the truth will set you free not religion religion will make you give your full salary for the month of january even though your mother is sick in the hospital what dirty religion is that what dirty religion is that dirty religion you will give your whole salary for january your whole salary will you have a family to feed that god has placed in your hand and you give your whole salary in january what rubbish is that Then you give your whole salary, your, your, your wife, you can't give food in the house, you can't pay school fees. Won't God deal with you and that ministry? How can that be the truth? How can that be the truth? Then you're not going to borrow money and you say God has punished you that you gave first fruits and you're borrowing money in January. Anyway, I don't blame such people. I blame the stewards. Liars they are. They are liars and they are thieves. And I say it boldly and I'll say it anywhere because Christ spoke about this same thing where people go and give taxes to the church and their mother is destitute at home. It is nonsense. It is nonsense. That's what religion does. That's not truth. So we, we, we need to learn some things. Hallelujah. It is well with our souls. God will help us. God will help us. Hallelujah. 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 So I want to just pray for the next couple of minutes. I want us to pray for the next couple of minutes. Let's all mute our microphones. Let's pray. Lord, bring me into intimacy. Bring me into intimacy. Bring me into relationship with you, Lord. I want to know the spirit of truth. I want to bear fruit from the spirit of truth. I'm tired of bearing fruit from my church and from my religion, putting clothes the way, talking the way they talk, but Christ can be seen in my life. Lord, bring me to intimacy. Bring me into intimacy. Bring me into intimacy. Into relationship. Into koinonia, Lord. Bring me to that place where I know you, where I touch you, I experience you. I encounter you, oh God. Bring me, Lord. Bring me, bring me. Bring me, oh God. Bring me, oh God. Bring me, bring me. Bring me, bring me. Bring me, oh Lord. Bring me into intimacy, Lord. Bring me into intimacy, Lord. Bring me into intimacy. Bring me into relationship. That place where I hear your voice. You say, your sheep hear your voice. Lord, I, I want to hear your voice. That place where I hear your voice and I, I hearken into the voice of the master. 
that place where we merge, Lord, where we marry ourselves and, and the two become one spirit, Lord. That place where we unite, where we bind ourselves with one another, oh God, where we join, where we join, oh God. Oh Lord, where we join, where we join, Lord, where we join, where we join, where we join, Lord Jesus, where we join, where we join, where we join, where we join, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, where we join, where we join, where we join, where the truth becomes Lord, help my soil to be fertile. Help my heart to be fertile, O oh God. That I might not be hardened when you speak to me. That I might hearken unto your voice when you speak, O oh God. That I might bear fruit. That I might bear fruit. That I might bear fruit. That I might bear fruit, Lord Jesus. That I might bear fruit, Lord Jesus. That I might bear fruit, That I, O God, that I, that I, that I, that I might bear fruit. Jesus. Jesus. That I might bear fruit. That I might bear fruit, Lord. That I might bear fruit, Jesus. Thank 
In Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Into that place of intimacy, that place of koinonia, that place of unity, Lord, that place where we bear fruit for you and no one else, Lord. 
bring us to that place, Lord, that we will be known by our fruits. In the name of Jesus, not by our church, not by the uniform they give us to wear, but by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 On the right track, God will lift us. God will lift us. God will empower us. God will strengthen us. And He will give us super abundance for every good work. We are not alone. We have never been alone. We will never be alone. We have abundance from God. Not only does He speak, He enters. I, hallelujah. He enters, and when he enters, he gives strength for us to stand on our feet and walk in power and might. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. It is well with every one of us. Tomorrow, we will press in even deeper, and God will give us light and understanding. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Can we pray with you uh, or for you, Elshaka, please? Please, please. And as you said, you pray for uh, okay. our teacher and your son. Thank you, Lord. No, no, I, no, I, <laughs> I left the last time. We, we commit your son and our teacher into your able hands. Elshaka, we, we, all we can say really, we commit you into the, the sure hands of God that is able to keep you and make his grace to continue to abound in your life and is able to strengthen you. And we pray, Lord, that the, the love of Christ will continue to fiercely wrap itself around you and your household, your wife, and your, and your child. And this ministry, we commit it into the hands of God. We ask for God to just to continue to renew your strength as he's stretching you in this season to be a blessing to us. You will be renewed. You will be strengthened. You will not buckle. You will not fall. All the blind spots we committed into God's hands. You will not be blindsided in the name of Jesus Christ. We ask for the grace of God to fortify you, to keep you. And whatever it is that uh, are the burdens of your heart, the Lord has taken care of them. As you have watered us, you will be well watered over and over and over. Your well will never run dry. And the grace of the Lord will continue to uh, uh, give you every strength that you need and fruit fruit will surely come out of all of these investments uh, in this season in the name of Jesus thank you Father for your son in Jesus name Amen Amen Hallelujah It's well with us, people of God. It's well with us. Bless and continue to keep us. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. People of God, we move. (laughs) 
we move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless us. I wish us an awesome day. We'll meet again tomorrow, same time. Thank you, El. Bye, fam. Bye-bye. Thank you, El. Bye, fam. Have a great day today. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, calmly, son of God. Have a fantastic day, everyone. Bless you, you too. Cheers, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.